This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is a Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Ricky Weber. What's up, what's up, guys? And Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. And today, we are going to be talking about the Indiana Pacers' heartbreaking news with Victor Oladipo going down. He's going to be out for the rest of the season. Then, we are going to talk about our wet boys, the guys who absolutely popped off over the past week, had phenomenal performances, were James Harden, um, or did anything else spectacular, like a game-winning shot. And then finally, we're going to wrap it up with two patron segments. We have Bill calling in about the 76ers and the process. Has it been a failed experiment, and is it a detriment to the NBA? And then we're going to talk to our buddy Pat about the Chicago Bulls, and uh, we already recorded that one, and that one was uh, kind of a uh, an airing of grievances. <laughs> For about 46 minutes. So if you're a Chicago Bulls fan, uh, you definitely do want to listen to it. Much needed. Exactly. Uh, But before we jump into that, I just want to give you some uh, notes. Uh, If you want to become like Pat and Bill and be on a a podcast, you can be. Check out patreon.com slash most of a podcast. And the other thing that we would implore you to do uh, would be check out iTunes uh, and search The Fast Break and give us a five-star rating uh, if you feel so inclined to. We do appreciate it. But boys, let's jump into the Indiana Pacers talk once housekeeping was out of the way. Victor Oladipo went down with an injury about two nights ago, I think it was. I think it was not last night, but the night before. Um, he went out, uh, looked like a non-contact injury, didn't look like he, he wasn't like, it wasn't Gordon Hayward, mm-hmm. he wasn't coming down from a jump, wasn't Kevin Ware, wasn't coming down from a jump, uh, but he did rupture his patella, um, and it just was a bad look. Indiana was third in the East, they still currently are, um, but they lose their superstar. What is Victor Oladipo going down mean to this Indiana Pacers season for the, the the remainder of it. Ricky, we'll go to you first. For me, I just I feel like I the first thing I did was look at the standings, and although let's say Tyreek Evans comes up, he plays well, um, I still look at this now and go, all right, you're two and a half out of first. You're not catching the Raptors now. You're not catching the Bucks. 76ers are a game behind you. 76ers will probably pass you by the end of the year. There's a chance Boston, who's two and a half behind you, could pass. Like, this is an injury that could take Indiana from sitting good at three to where it's like, oh, we'll play Brooklyn in the first round at home to, oh, we may have to play Philly or Boston on the road in the first round. Dave, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that uh, it's definitely a setback for them. The upside is they literally got, like, budget version of Vic with uh, Tyreek Evans. Uh, obviously, replacing an all-star is tough, but... I think Tyreek Evans, what we saw of him last year being a you know higher usage guy. Mm-hmm. Earlier this year, we've not seen that out of him because he was confined to a smaller role. Now he's going to be able to go out there with the first unit, and I expect to see kind of that uh, an image of last year's. Not necessarily putting up twenty five and five, but you know something more uh, reasonable. Uh, and I think that the the saving grace of this team, honestly, is the combination of Miles Turner, Sabonis, and Thad Young. Those three guys have been out there, and obviously we know it's not so great when Turner and uh, Sabonis are together on the court, but the combination of those three guys are really a lot of their uh, heart and soul down low. I think that they're still going to be a playoff team. They're still a team that has very good chance of making the playoffs, and I expect them to. The problem for me is what do you do if, if you have anybody on the fence you're like, well, do we make any moves at the trade deadline? Do we not? Well, before we get into that, I just want to clear the air. Either of you think they're not going to make the playoffs? 
with this injury? No, they'll still make the playoffs. Okay, just I still think out. they're going to make it. Yeah. So the question now, I think, becomes: Are are you going to be a buyer or are you going to be a seller? Are you going to be trying to fill that role, fill that space that Victor Oladipo left with a possible like Mike Conley trade? I've seen that floated out there. Oh. Or are you going to become a seller of some of these assets that are on expiring contracts? Corey Joseph is a name. Uh, Tyreek Evans is a name as well. Uh, that is that Darren Collison. Uh, Darren Collison is, is a name as well, an expiring deal. Um, what is your idea of what they should do come February seventh? Because the big thing is, is I, they're not going to be out of I think their spot, or at least you know I think they're still going to be top four at worst when it comes to the trade deadline. It's not too far away, so they're not going to really have a feeling of what this team is going to be able to do, um, or at least where this team will full, truly sit when it comes to the trade deadline. So. What are your thoughts right now in this moment on whether they'll make a move or whether or whether they'll make a, uh, a buying move or whether they'll make a selling move? Dave, we're going to go back to you. I think they should go for a buy. I think this is a young core that they want to keep together moving forward. And if they can go ahead and use this as an opportunity to get another piece and have that guy play with your team going into the playoffs, that's, that's valuable experience. You don't get chemistry like that. Uh, coming off the street next year. So I think that they absolutely should be buyers at this point in time. They can really put, uh, they can really change up their game as well by letting, you know, a player like Sabonis or Turner kind of take over in in the low post. They could change their entire dynamic as a team, which could give them something that, you know, yes, this year might be an experiment for the rest of this year, but come next year if you need to, you have an option B, you have an option C, you have different game plans because you've had a number of games to put together. You know, we know this works, we know this doesn't. If Vic's not lighting it up for us tonight, mm-hmm. we can go with this. Or against this matchup, let's really exploit you know them at the four. I, I think that it, it's a great opportunity for them. you got to look at the positives in a bad situation like this. Yeah, I think the biggest positive that you need to look at is that they're going to have, at least just from the point guard position, $17 million coming off the books after this year. If they don't mm-hmm. make any moves, Collinson's worth 10 Corey Joseph's worth 7.9. Then you look at Tyreek Evans, he's worth 12.4. That's another 12.4 coming off. Then you have Boyan, who's also a... Uh, uh, a free agent after this year, he's worth 10.5. Thad Young is a free agent after this year, 13.7. And then Kyle Quinn's worth 4.4, and he's going to come off the books. So I think rough estimate right there, that's over $40 million, $50 million coming off the books next year. Um, so, Ricky, would you stay put, mm-hmm. or are you making a buying move like Dave's I'm, saying you should, or are you going to sell off some of these pieces on expiring contracts? I'm buying. And, the re- like, it's uh, – I kind of want to say buy because – you're a team in the thick of things, and you don't know whether or not, like, oh, we're just going to stay pat, and then you're never in this situation again. The other thing I think of is I'm looking at an article here on um, CBS, and they talk about how um, they're saying it's a ruptured quadricep tendon, and apparently there's a specialist, Dr. Rodney Benner, who told CBS Sports it's probably a little bit worse than a common ACL tear. And this is the same injury that, of course, ended Charles Barkley's career in 99. Tony Parker also had the same injury. Now, the difference there, they were a lot older than Vic. Mm -hmm. Like, Tony Parker, the one that I'm really going to use as the example, not Charles Barkley. Well, yeah, Barkley was uh, super old at that time. But, like, Parker was 34 Mm -hmm. at the time. And, yes, he's still playing, but... He injured it in the playoffs. He was playing the next year by late November. 
Um, well, so, yeah, we were surprised. I mean, like, we were doing the podcast at the time. Quick. Yeah, we were surprised that he came mm-hmm. back at yeah. that point. So, I mean, you don't know how long he's going to be out because obviously he injured it earlier in the year than Parker did. But you look at the next year stats that Parker had, and they were lower than what he had before. And obviously, it kind of also had to do he, last year was a weird well, year he for the Spurs. Less too. minutes. He played yeah, 25 yeah. minutes when he, mm-hmm. before the year he got hurt, and then he played 19. So, but his rates were still the same. Forty six percent to forty five. Um, his three point percentage went down from thirty three to twenty seven. But for the most part, I mean, he was still a very efficient player. And that might back. be another reason why I buy a little bit right now because you got to wonder. Of course, you never want to overreact to an injury, and maybe this isn't buying at the trade deadline. Maybe this is buying in the off season. The question that has to be on Pacer minds and even front office staff is, yes, he's going to rehab, but what type of Vic are we going to get back from this? Like, is he ever going to be the same player that he is, or will he have to change his game because of this injury? I I don't think, again, I don't know enough about, Mm -hmm. you know, this injury. I don't know enough about medical processes. I'm not a doctor, never will be, never have been. Um, So I don't know exactly how he's going to bounce back from it. But what I can say is that he seems like the player to work as hard as he possibly can to get back to the level that he was at. Mm-hmm. And this seems like such a freak injury that I think the fear of re-injuring it will be there for a couple months, but I don't think it will be something that lingers for a while. I mm-hmm. think that he is a guy that will put his all into being the same Victor Oladipo that he was before. Um, he seems like he has that next level. He has that determination. Um, and I, I, I don't, I'm not too worried about at least the future of Victor Oladipo just because he does seem like a confident guy, especially since coming over to Indiana. I think now with, again, his his work ethic, I think he will be able to get back to the same level or at least near the same level of player that he was before. Now, will he be a, a foregone all-star for sure? Maybe not. Maybe he takes a little bit of a step back. But I wouldn't – I agree with you. You shouldn't re- overreact. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I'll throw out the idea of – before this injury, did you think they should be buying? No. I would okay. stay before the injury I would have stayed pat. Dave, did you think that they were going to be buying before this injury? I thought there was potential that they could buy. Okay. Yes. So, I think that they were they were in a position at the top of the east where no one outside of you, I will give you credit, you are actually a huge big, huge uh predictor of the Pacer successes. What other team did I pick? I don't even remember. Denver. Nuggets. Denver. Okay. So yeah, you, Shout out Denver. You might mm-hmm. you might know some things about basketball. Who knew? No. Uh, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> no, but I, I get I, lucky. I'm like Garbacks. <laughs> I think that they were in a position to really upset a lot of teams, and because their pieces are so young and they've got a, a lot of one year contracts, there there are teams that have assets like the Atlanta Hawks, like the New York Knicks, who would be willing to move guys who are on maybe long term contracts. That don't fit their timeline, but it would be a nice accommodate, a uh, nice accompanying piece for this Pacers team. What players are you? Do you have I mind? mean, you know, like may, a, maybe a Torian Prince, maybe okay. a Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, someone who can you know play that th- uh, two-three role and have Vic kind of be that combo guard still. I think Torian Prince would be one that would definitely interest yeah. me. Um, the biggest thing that I, I wanted to build off of that though was the fact that you shouldn't overreact and. I was in the same mindset of Ricky that this was mm-hmm. not going to be a team that's going to be buying at the trade deadline. And now that you have lost your star player, mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing that you can't compromise is your identity. 
And Victor Oladipo, while he was a superstar, I would I would say that he was a superstar. Give him the um, super tag, or at least a star. He was a star. He was a very good player. Yeah. Um, to to an excellent player. Yep. Um, he is a guy that I don't think that losing him, you lose your identity. Many, if James Harden went down, you would lose your identity as the Houston Rockets. If Steph Curry, I mean Steph Curry has gone down, and you kind of lose your identity there. The Los Angeles Lakers, they've lost their identity since uh, you know LeBron James has gone down. I don't think that they're going to lose their identity per se. I don't think this is going to change this team drastically because this team's still going to play at a slower pace. This mm-hmm. team's still going to play great defense. They're losing their best defender, but everyone on this team has the ability to defend. Everybody on this team. Except McDermott. Yeah, except McDermott. Who I hate. Um, even though he's top to bottom, the majority of this team, if not all this, these players, can play defense. So I think this isn't going to really compromise their identity, which mm-hmm. is why I do not think they should make a move because – now, if you're getting a King's Ransom for, like, a Tyreek Evans, go for it. If you're getting a, Ty- a King's Ransom for a Bogdanovich, go for it. But I don't think you should compromise your identity because this is still going to be the team coming back next year. And this front office clearly has the, uh, the their, their eye on talent that fits this team. And they've done a great job of building up this team. And with the cap space that you have going into next year— and with the free agents out there, you know who's going to fit on this team. So you can get rid of some of the you know wasted space on there. I think Corey Joseph, while he's a good player, I don't know if he's a natural fit on this team. I think he'd fit much better in Toronto. Um, you look at Darren Collinson, like, is Darren Collinson worth that much money? Would, does he want to sign for that much money as well? Yeah. I think now you can better address your team needs and also play with this salary cap and still have your star coming back next year. I wouldn't co- contradict that with going out and getting a Mike Conley, who's then worth $35 million, $35 million for the next two years, because then you're, you're, you're really ruining your ability to you know, be the team and identity that you are because you're just locking in on one player. You have Turner locked up. You have Oladipo locked up. Stick with that identity. Stick with those players. You have Sabonis locked up as well. Stick with the players that are there for sure. You'll bring back the players that do fit. I think Bogdanovich is a great fit for them. Absolutely. Uh, Thad Young as well. Bring back those players, but then add on to this team in ways that you best see fit. Don't panic to make a move because right now it's a very limited crop of players that are available. Free agency, you're going to be so open to make moves. This is still going to be a team that's going to be dangerous this year. I still think this is a team that you know will probably be a fifth seed. I think if they're going up against Philadelphia in the first round, I think they'd give Philadelphia a ton of trouble. Um, but this is a team because it's mostly because of the depth. Uh, not and anything post, to do with yeah. the, the stars. Um, but I think that this is a team that next year, with the salary cap and the, the room they have to play, this can be even a more dangerous team because this front office is so sure of their identity, what they're trying to create in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, but going off that, like, is this a team that, the way that they're currently constructed, going to win an NBA title? And is that te- technically necessary for Indiana? I think it'd be a nice cherry on top, but is it necessary for Indiana to win a title for this team to be successful. I'm going to answer this as if Vic didn't get injured first. No. Vic gets injured. No. Like, it doesn't change anything. And I'm saying, me, I'm saying, like, even just with, like, Victor Oladipo's yeah, te- tenure. I felt so, like, like, for the next five years, if they're not winning a title. I, the next five years, I, yeah, I would say that would be in the, in the cards, especially if I'm an Indiana fan, because you think about the progressions they have seen since they got Vic. They get in the playoffs. They're a surprise team. Now it's like they're now they're a top four seed right now. They're making strides with Vic. Next year you could if you're trying to go up those steps, the next step would be, all right, 
compete in the playoffs more, try to get to the Eastern Conference Final, try to win maybe the East. Now, especially since LeBron is not there, like I mm-hmm. know that's the buzzsaw that they ran into like last year was LeBron. Yeah. But Gave him a hell of a series, too. The thing that I come back to, and this is for not just this year, this is for the future. Like Indiana this year, winning a championship is not important. Like to me, it's keep your playoff seeding where it is. If they stayed the third seed, I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked and I would be given medals to like Tyreek, Sabonis, like anyone who helped keep that there because I think they're going to fall to five. Like the lowest they fall is maybe six if the Nets like go on some type of a miracle run. I mean, what they've been doing the last 20 the, couple games. The yeah. thing that I worry, and this is from a Bulls fan, I'm not saying this is going to happen because I will say this yep. in that same CBS article that I'm going to put in the description because later on they have basically an interview with the doctor that has some mm-hmm. great insight. Um, to everything, yep. they ask, what's the timetable? Like, once he's full re- fully recovered, and the first thing that Dr. Brenner says is, I think the goal would be to have him ready the beginning of the 2019-2020 season. However, you don't know what's going to happen. And for me as a Bulls yeah. fan, I just fear well, the worst, and I don't want that, and you don't know how Vic's going to come back the reason, After this. the reason I asked about the success thing mm-hmm. is because I feel like every team is measured by their championships, obviously, and, and for good yeah. reason. But when you look back at the Derrick Rose Bulls before he got injured, would you say that's an unsuccessful team, or would you say that's a successful team? I feel like... Me, Was that a successful Me personally, run? that 2012 team, I felt could have went to the finals. But was it a successful team? <sighs> Successful, like, I don't think the team was bad. I think we were robbed. We were robbed not by anybody, not by Philly, not by I'm anybody. I'm not asking that question. Do you think that they, looking back, was that a very successful reign for Derrick Rose? It's yes or no? No, we didn't win. Okay. I mean, I, I, Dave, I, I personally yeah. am on the other side of that. I think that was extremely successful. You had Derrick Rose, MVP, uh, a very young player, leading your team as far as they did. That's some success. That's something you can hang your but hat on. But it wasn't Derrick Rose's fault. That's a, like, what do you mean? Yes, I feel like it. I feel like it's yes, it's a failure. But it's not like oh, Derrick Rose failed. It was no, we got I'm asking unlucky. You, no, I'm asking the team. Yeah, was it a failure that the team did not win a championship? Not anything about Derrick Rose. I'm just yeah. saying, like, I would, do you see that as a successful team? <sighs> it's just yes or no, and you said no. I, don't um, know. I think it's a complex I, question. It's it's not. <laughs> I, I'm I'm, not, I'm saying if you're win, if you're not winning a championship, did you succeed? And my my answer is that's twenty nine failures every year. Are you saying there's 29 failures every year? Yeah, I would have that mindset. See, I, I disagree. I think I think um, with 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 the way NBA is structured, like you can get so lucky and have LeBron James mm-hmm. for you know your your you know from 2010 to 2019, and you could have X amount of championships. You could have Steph Curry, and you could have three championships right there. I mean, you have the ability of just one player taking over a team or, or a whole league. And I, I look at this, and especially Indiana, like this team has had so much success. Like throughout my lifespan, they're consistently making the playoffs. It was with Jermaine O'Neal, it was with Danny Granger, it was with Paul George. Now it's with Victor Oldipo. You're just continuing that success. Yeah, seriously. You're continuing that success though, and I I think it would be successful if Victor Oladipo did come onto this team and just brought him to the playoffs year after year. And at some point, it's going to get draining. But I even look at the Raptors um, and what they're running with Lowry and DeRozan and now with Kawhi so far. If they don't want a championship, I'm not going to look at them as unsuccessful. They were a very successful team. They won games. They were consistently in the playoffs. They were trying hard. 
And I think with this Pacer team is, I think you're just trying to continue success. And and, and with, with the way that the salary cap is kind of opening up with them next year, you just have to make the right moves to continue that success. And I think with Oladipo being your star guy, and if he's able to bounce back to that place, you have success lined up uh, for the rest of, you know, the next five years. And I don't think you should over panic, overextend for a move this year that might handicap your success down the line because that's where you do end mm-hmm. up losing out because you sign a Marcus all to uh, a long contract you sign a Mike Conley to a long contract and you start handicapping your success and the Pacers have done a great job of moving on from players not all of their uh, of, of, you know all of their under own, their own conditions at least Paul George was under their own conditions mm-hmm. Danny Granger Worked was under out the great for them for Paul George though yeah and it was under the condition of injury Tyler with Danny Gavik Granger and it's still bonus which are their two best pieces right now well and then it was also not under the condition with Danny Granger and they moved on from him and they again continue success as well so yeah. I think that you can't handicap yourself if you're the Pacers is the biggest thing that I'm saying right now because you don't want to well, handicap your future success. And, and the thing I'll throw in there is, like, if you ask me the same the same question you did about mm-hmm. the Bulls about the Pacers, my answer would be on the other side of, like, if they got to, like, the second round, yes, that would be a success in my mind because of, every, like, it comes into two of with basketball with me, if you come into the playoffs and you're expected to go far, if you're expected to be a finals team like Boston, Toronto, Golden State, then if obviously you don't get there, it's a failure. Like with that Bulls team, like I said, with a healthy Derrick Rose, I thought that year we could actually challenge Miami and go to the finals that year. And to be knocked out in the first round to the eighth seed was a failure. But like Indiana, let's say... With Vic, if they got to the second round again, I feel like it would be a success. Even if they make the playoffs and stay above a fifth seed without Vic, I think that could still be a success for the Pacers. Dave, what do you think? Yeah, I think the uh, the Bulls thing was kind of an interesting one to hit on just because it was an injury. injury. Yeah, I mean, like, if you look back, you go way back, Mm -hmm. and I'm just on a Bulls team right now. So if you go to the Utah Jazz of the late 90s, Mm -hmm. they were a successful team. They didn't win a championship, but they were a successful team. You know, they they went out there year in year out, or a deep playoff run. Mm-hmm. I'll give them the credit for it. So, I I don't take anything away from you know a team like the Raptors who ran into LeBron James year after year after year and lost, and that that's fine. They were they were a good team, but they could not win the championship. I still think that was a successful team, and I think that they've transitioned you know from one to another piece and improved the team. I think that Indiana is in an interesting position where yes, they're going to have some cash, but I ask the same question. Who's going to sign in Indiana? You know, uh, who, who's, who's the guy who's going to help Vic Sabonis and miles Turner take this team to the next level? You know, are, are they going after a new forwarder to replace that young? You know, he's good, but he's old. The question is, is do you need someone who can help space the floor better when you're out there with, uh, the two fives that they have as I feel franchise corner pieces, you know, do you want to go invest that money in a point guard, or where, where would you spend your money? And do you think there's a legitimate chance they can go land, you know, a great piece next to Victor Oladipo, or someone who, if Vic can never become Vic again, could well, help? I think the thing with at least with if Vic can never become Vic again, you are flat out screwed. I think that's it's a detriment. Mm-hmm. Um, again, they uh, you can look at the, the the numbers this year and you know with him on the floor and off the floor like it's not too much of a difference. With him on the floor it's a 115.5 offensive rating. Uh, with him off it's a 113.6 and then def- uh, you know defensive rating uh you know teams have a 108.9 with him on the floor and then they actually you know have a better uh 
uh, a worse offensive rating teams do uh, against the Pacers when he's off the floor uh, at a 107.7. So, I mean, like, he—he—he, but he means a ton when you're looking at a playoff series and, you know, having the best player on the floor. Um, So I think the thing with that would be you're screwed if Vic is never Vic again. Mm -hmm. Um, However... You can't really think that way because you've made a commitment to Victor Oladipo. And it has to be in your mind, of course, but you're never going to know if he's ever going to be Vic again if you don't try him out there. So yeah, once no, he's absolutely. healthy, once he's cleared, you cannot treat him with kid, kid gloves. He's a pro. Go out and see what you can do. Um, and I don't think that's going to be a huge detriment. And, you know, it's going to be something that they're going to have to deal with if it does happen. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but to your question about who can they bring in realistically, I think it's more of players that are either – veterans who want to maintain the success they have. If Al Horford declines his player option this year, I think it'd be an interesting player. Obviously they're, they have, you know, they have a lot of uh, fours and fives right now. Um, but my thought process as well is you have two great fives right now. And Miles Turner and Demonte Sabonis at one point or at some point they might come to the realis- you know, realization that they have these two valuable players that both fit in today's NBA Maybe they do move off of one to just add to, to to the depth of this team because Turner right now is on a fairly you know great contract. I think he's just signed for eighteen years or uh, eighteen years uh, for eighteen million all the way through uh, the twenty twenty two season. Yeah, so I mean, like that's a guy that's going to be locked down, and he's a he's a good player for the for the for you know the next couple of years. Um, I, I think though, you know, maybe you do make a shot at D'Angelo Russell because you look at the way the Nets have tied up their cap space; it's gotten a pretty you know t- tight because mm-hmm. of the, the contract they've taken on and yes they're going to have uh demar carroll come off the book soon uh they're going to have uh i think alan williams worth like seven million dollars uh but they're still going to have alan crabs player uh, option that they're going to have to you know deal with because he's going to accept that um so d'angelo russell's a curious one too because they just locked up spencer dinwiddie too so if they throw a max at d'angelo russell which i think they'll be able to do can brooklyn offer and can brooklyn match um, and I think that would be an interesting move for them just because you look at the offense that they're not able to generate on a night-in, night-out basis because Vic is a great player and he could score 35 uh, every other night, but or you know he could score 35 like once a week or something like that. But um, I don't think they have that guy who can be a dominant offensive player. And I think D'Angelo is finding himself in Brooklyn, and if he's able to get the money and then also continue that trend of growing upwards – he might be a liability defensively, but offensively he adds something to this team that you do not have at that one spot. Um, so I think it's more about getting younger players that mm-hmm. uh, you can kind of force away from teams, uh, trading some of the logjam assets that you do have, possibly looking at Miles Turner and Demonte Sabonis, and then looking at veterans that that, that could be intriguing, like Anel Horford, similar to the Paul Millsap uh, going to Denver uh, deal. I think those are the players that you need to look out for. I just throw out throw out El Horford because he's the first free agent out there. I know it doesn't fit with the team schematically or anything like that. Uh, Or like a Rondo as well. Like Rondo is at at, at the one, Um, you know, for more depth to continue continue that depth uh, would be uh, interesting to me too. And hell, maybe even Kemba Walker. Like Mm. you're going to have a ton of money. I I don't know if that's, again, necessarily the best move. You're again, I just talk about, you know, handicapping yourself. You're tying yourself to like a 29 year old point guard. that's going to be, you know, 33 at the end of a, a max deal. Um, so maybe not that, but again, just names that are coming up yeah. uh, on the floor. I think the biggest thing, though, would just be going after young rookies that teams cannot match uh, the salary cap well, that they're going to be worth. To me, it comes down to the question that Dave asked. And you kind of scared me a little bit, Dave, because the last time you asked that question about a Memphis Grizzlies team, we went on into a topic about them moving the team, and I didn't want that to happen to Indiana Pacer fans. But 
the true question is who what big free agent is want, gonna want to go to Indianapolis? Is wanna gonna go to Indiana? And for me, here are some of the names that could be free agents next year that I could see wanting to sign there. Could be could be good names. You could be happy. You could not be happy. First one, Jeremy Lynn. He's a guy that I could see. He's currently in Atlanta. He would go over there. Another one, depending on how he plays this year when he comes back, Isaiah Thomas. Real quick. What? When you were like big names, I was 100% expecting well, I mean, Kevin Durant. And you throw out Jeremy Lin. Well, Kevin Durant wouldn't go to Indi- Indianapolis. Oh, um, and that's shots. not a slam at Indianapolis. He wouldn't, even like Chicago. he wouldn't even come to Chicago. And we're a bigger market than Indiana. So no big no big deal to you. He wouldn't even come to us. Um, yeah, but they're a better team. Jer- Jeremy Lin, it doesn't matter. It's a market thing. Like he wouldn't. I don't think he'd want to go to Indiana. Championships are championships. He'll go to Boston. That's where he'll go. Okay, but I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah. Indiana gives you a better cha- but I mean, championship. Jeremy Lin's one. Isaiah Thomas, depending on what he looks like when he comes back. A guy like Nico. A guy like Trey Burke. A guy like Ricky Rubio. Like those are the guys I think you're looking at in free agency. Guys that have played up somewhere else. And the other team doesn't want them back. That's what you're looking at. Like, Trey Burke's interesting because will New York want him back? Ricky Rubio, will the Jazz want to re-sign him? And will he want to go back to Utah? I think Rubio would be an interesting fit. I don't think Trey Burke fixed with the Mm -hmm. identity that this team's built at all. Um, At least, I think the biggest name, if that's the question that we'll, we'll, we'll throw out and kind of end on, uh, the biggest name that I think would be is is not really because this team. Because I liked would, your Al Horford. Like, this that's team is a good one. Eh, but again, like they, again, the logjam of the the players they have. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the biggest thing about Horford is his inability to rebound. Yeah. And if you have fucking Demonte Sabonis, doesn't that's not a problem because that guy's just grabbing boards left mm-hmm. and right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest name, if we're asking that question, that would sign in in, in Indiana is Clay Thompson because not not that Golden State wouldn't want him. Of course mm-hmm. they would. Um. But can they realistically make that work if Kevin Durant's coming back? Mm-hmm. So that's the question that sticks out to me is would he be able to resign understandably? And, and, and if, if you know Indiana's throwing out a max co- uh, offer to him, he fits with that that scheme. He fits with that identity of that team. There's He'd be only, a great fit. There's only be one wrench to that. Hmm. Indiana, L.A., Indiana, L.A., I'm going to go live in L.A. Like that's the yeah, only wrench but then that also would be if thrown you're getting paid that. money and you're, you're, you're pretty much giving the idea oh, of— Hey, this is your team because we don't know what Vic's going to do, and yeah. also, I mean, you're fit perfectly on this I'm team. I'm just, I mean, the the East is open now. I feel like Clay, even though I see him in a Golden State uniform next mm-hmm. year, if he leaves Golden State, he's going to play for Daddy's like Daddy's Lakers. He's going to be a Thompson Los Angeles Laker if he leaves Golden State. I, I mean, I'm not arguing the yeah. LA to Indiana Indiana stuff. I mean, I think Indiana fans, we haven't lost them yet. Mm-hmm. If we haven't lost them yet, we're losing them now. <laughs> Indiana's the armpit of America. I'm from Illinois. I've mm-hmm. gone through Indiana. It's I, <laughs> it, it, I'm surprised that Indianapolis is there because when you drive through it, you're like, I just saw corn for two mile, uh, for two hours. And then once you get through Indiana, uh, Indianapolis, and you're like, oh, well, here's two more. I mean, miles to be fair, Illinois, two, two more hours of corn, like except for ninety five percent nothing, yeah. and except then for Chicago. Chicago. So. <laughs> yeah, but we have thirteen point one million people living here. I think Indianapolis <laughs> has like ten. Um, I went through there like in the middle of the day, and like there was, was no for, like, one there. The it was like a ghost town. Even, but no. like it was ten. There was like a, it was a ghost town. I went to the Pacers job fair, and there was nobody on the streets. Mm-hmm. It was the day after the Super Bowl. It was cold as hell, but like, come on. Uh, anyways, uh, 
I just I, I don't know what big name is out there, mm-hmm. but that's why you, you I, I look at you know places like Indiana and Marvel and the fact that they've been able to overturn with so many different stars and they've been able to keep their identity. Um, I think it's a true you know I, I think having this level of success of you know staying so consistent mm-hmm. is something to be proud of if you're a Pacers fan. And I think that you're you have. Uh, you know, you're, you're in the right hands pretty much uh, if you are Indiana. So I, I will say that it's a huge blow seeing Victor Oladipo go down because he was such a great bright spot last year, um, was still great this year, and uh, it, it's a huge blow to them. But I don't think that they're going to technically start falling. Uh, the sky's going to technically start falling because if Tyreek Evans does start playing like he did last year, I don't think they're going to lose too much of a step. Um, now the big question is, can he? And I don't think he's lost his talent per se because he's no. 28 years old or I 29 mean, years old. Let's put it this way. The worst stretch of seasons um, they have had since Dave and I was born, so we'll go the 89-90 season. Mm-hmm. The worst stretch they had was 06-07 to 09-010. Those four seasons didn't make the playoffs, were ninth and 10th in the Eastern Conference, and then ever since— Wait, they were 20- ninth and 10th? In the Eastern Conference for those <laughs> that's, four that's, years. That's bad. That's their worst, That's though. hilarious. But that's what I'm saying. That's yeah, no. their worst where they didn't make the playoffs. And that's when they had Danny Everything Granger. else, they've made the playoffs except and for 14 15. You even look at that, too, like the, the, the evolution of that team. Because you see from when you guys were born, it was Reggie's team. And mm-hmm. then that turned into Jermaine O'Neal's team with Reggie. And then that turned into Danny Granger with Jermaine O'Neal. And then that turned into Danny Granger with Paul George. And that turned mm-hmm. into Paul George into Victor Oladipo. Like... It's incredible what they've been able to do, just consistently having that one guy there and having identity every single year. It's it's fascinating to me. And their only finals loss to Shaq and Kobe. Mm-hmm. Um, so L.A. wins, and possibly they'll win with a Clay Thompson. Uh, final thoughts, Dave? Uh, if you got any. I think you don't. Don't be worried. I mean, I, I was pushing them for the buy at the, the trade deadline, but I think I've, I've come around a little bit to the hold steady and see what you can do. I am a little concerned about... You know the marketability for free agency, mm-hmm. but if you can go get, you know, if you either put down, you know, one of those terrible offers that we love to see, you know, it's just like uh, you pay him or we will take him. Yeah, like I'd, a, I'd love to see like a D low, yeah, because that so. could happen with. Well, D-Lo. and that's a, that's the thing too with a D'Angelo Russell is you're putting a lot of cap space into him, a lot mm-hmm. of money into him. Uh, if you do end up making that move, which I don't know if they're going to, I mean, it's it's uh, between them, the Magic and the Suns, pretty much. <laughs> but but the thing is, is that it's a team. It, he's a and young player. It's yeah. not a Mike Conley that's going to be like thirty two years old. Injury Lines history up better with your talent. Exactly. Um, and you you'd rather be paying a twenty seven year old D'Angelo Russell, you know, thirty three million than a thirty four year old D'Angelo uh, Mike Conley, thirty three million. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, that's going to do it for the Indiana Pacers. Let us know what you think down in the comments below. But let's move into the next topic. And if you are not watching us on YouTube, head over to YouTube.com slash Most Valuable Podcast Real. Is that the, mm-hmm. the actual yeah. Most Valuable Podcast Real? Head over to Most Valuable Podcast Real. There's an S after That's podcast. Nice. Uh, we are closing in on 1,500 subs. And you could see the lovely graphics that we put up for this uh, segment. But mm-hmm. this is our weekly segment, our favorite segment of the fast break. It is Wet Boys. We're talking about the dampest of dude. It's the soggiest of shooters, the moistest of men. What is going on with your asses over there? This is what, boys? Uh, Ricky, this was a pretty pretty hard week, at least for me. So why don't you take it through your thought process and let us know who you're up with. Well, my process had two, well, three players. The first one I went to was Clay Thompson because he had a 44-point game. Then I saw the nine-point game he had last night and went, uh, sorry, Clay, I can't give it to you. Yeah. But then I saw Steph had a good game, and I was like, wait, what did he do in the other game? 
Ooh, only 11 points. Steph, you did not do... So I couldn't give it to the Warrior that I was trying to go third week in a row, giving it to a Warrior. I got to give it to the guy the night we recorded last week's podcast. The next Steph Curry. Hit the shot, heard round the world, lost the ball, shot it up, ran like he just beat West Virginia when he was back at Oklahoma. Buddy Heald, the Wooden Award winner, putting some respect on it, and also letting them Kangs fans... Get their first. I think this is the first wet boy I know for Buddy Heald. I think it might be the first Kings player. De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox got when a wet boy. All right, I was, second one. I was thinking about mm-hmm. that today. That we, was when we gave it to the Warriors too, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And you know who was who's on Detroit? Former Warrior great. Yep. Zaza Pachulia. Mm-hmm. Um, there you go. But I was thinking about this today. I don't think we've we've had we've covered every single team with our wet boys. I don't, have I, we? I cannot think of a team that we have not covered. Um, and, and going back through, I mean, we've the Cavs. We've LeBron. Mm-hmm. Oh, Last all, time. all time. All time. Okay. Yeah, all time. Not this year, but all time. Oh, I, I think also, uh, what? No, I'm trying to think. Oh, I I'm thought you were looking at Well, like the Pelicans, AD. No. Uh, yeah, AD. Yeah, uh, also, Drew was one. The Hawks? Uh, Hawks. Have we given Trey? Vince Carter, I think, was one of them. <laughs> um, I'm not I'm not kidding. I think Vince Carter was. Uh, if not, I think Torian Prince was uh, last mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm correct on that. Uh, the Knicks? No, yeah. we did. The Mike Knicks, Be- KP. Yeah. Beasley. And Kristaps said too. Yeah. So we've, we've covered every single team. If if you can find a team, Joe Ingles, start thinking of them. Jazz. Donovan Mitchell as well. Suns have Devin Booker. You know, yeah. Clippers had Tobias Harris. They Memphis. Have, Memphis did. Uh, we had uh, Dylan Brooks as one. Oh, that's home. right. That's I also right. believe. Uh, no, he. I think he's the only one so far. Was Dylan <laughs> Brooks for Memphis? Not Conley Reek might have had one too. What? Not Conley or Gasol. No, because uh, Gas- mm-hmm. uh, Conley was hurt last year. Um, and I don't think we've ever given one to any Gasol, um, for that fa- uh, matter of fact. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah I, think you're right. I think we've covered every single How team. How about the Heat? The Heat? Oh! I think the Heat might be the only team. Did oh, shit. Did we not get Winslow? Not this year? No. I don't think we've wow. given it okay, to yeah. the Heat. The Heat's the only team that has not right. been a... Well, what, Winslow that? probably deserved one earlier this year, but... Uh, um, yeah, nothing in the playoffs last year, too. Hold on. All right. Let's check that. No, Winslow hasn't deserved one yet. Um, uh, he had pretty good trick games starting um, his uh, point card. But compared to, comparatively to Oh, other, I know. I know. There's been some... Yeah, no, okay, that's the one team is the Heat. We have not given one to the Heat. So the Heat are the only team without a wet boy. <laughs> All right. Uh, glad we had this discussion. But, Dave, you actually, we were fighting a little bit over one of them. We yeah. didn't end up going with them. No. So we should at least give a nominee yeah. or a, a little, uh, honorable what's it called? Mention. Honorable Absolutely. mention to Jaleel Okafor, who had his most, like, impressive, efficient three straight games in his whole career. You yep. can look back at his rookie year, and he had a couple games with more points per game, but he was never this efficient. Shot 72% from the field, uh, averaging 18 a game. Uh, but we both didn't end up going with him. You took my other option. Uh, <laughs> and tell us about him. Yeah, yeah. I, I took a guy who a lot of people forgot about this year because he's playing on a trash team in Detroit right now. But Blake Griffin has had a, uh, a revelation of a year. He's putting up right now ridiculous numbers. This past week, he put up 35, 8, and 5, 52 from the field, 45 from three on volume, people. Like, he is playing his mind out. And it's it's sad because they don't have a point guard. And that there's no real help for him. Well, and the crazy thing, too, is I was thinking about this today. Name of, uh, you look at his career, 
He yep. came in loved because he was, you know, phenomenal highlight real player <laughs> super out of Oklahoma. Likeable. Yeah, uh, super likable. Was you know had had a ton of charisma, and then he kind of you know started wearing on fans in, in LAC when he you know he started like he punched the the uh, the guy outside in, in, in Toronto. Then he had he was pushing the uh, the I think the trainer into his crotch or something like that. <laughs> like and and he was on the Clipper team with Chris Paul, and people didn't really like Chris Paul, so that kind of came off. And then people kind of forgotten about him. In Detroit. Oh, his injury problems as well mm-hmm. throughout his years. I think he might be the most underrated player right now in the NBA. Probably. Is. I don't know who else you could throw out there as an argument for more underrated than Blake Griffin for what he's doing. I mean, I'm going to say not underrated player, but I'm talking about just wet boys. There is one person. No, not Giannis. More... Giannis is underrated. Okay. Well, he's underrated wet boys because he only got one. Well, that's you could if you want to if you, <laughs> you want to make him feel better. Solution. Yeah, you're a part of I mean, the team. You're picking I'm, Buddy Heald. I'm just saying, so. hey, I mean, Buddy Heald deserved it. Big like Clay shoots like Steph. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think the case for Blake Griffin being underrated yeah, no. uh, it's it, fantastic. It is there. Uh, but let's go to mine. Uh, we're going to go to uh, the, the obvious one first. It's James Harden. Uh, 49 points per game, four assists, three steals, 45% from three, and somehow 37% shooting from three, uh, although he went five of 20 uh, in the game where he put up 61 against the Knicks. Um, he's closing in on 82 if he can ever be efficient in any of these games where he can he can shoot from the outside. He gets, what, you know, uh, five more threes there. That's 15 points. He's up at, uh, what, 76. So, yeah. I mean, he is extremely close to breaking Kobe's but record. But Chris Paul coming back. But, I mean. For how long? <laughs> for how long? <laughs> and also, do you want to stop this? Like, I mean, how how yeah, did, how much yeah. will Chris Paul change the way that they're playing? Because right now That's he's had like question. 268 straight points unassisted. unassisted yeah. Um, I mean, it might get the ball in his hands just more efficiently. Maybe. He might start making the shots more efficiently. And I don't know. He's on this I mean, unstoppable of a streak. Would you go away from him? Yes. And the reason why I say why? that is Chris <laughs> Paul and James Harden, number one seed last year, just James Harden. Fifth seed. They also had uh, this but, guy Clint Capella last true. year not playing so and much this year. And, and he's injured and, right now. And also, look at the way that they started the season mm-hmm. with Chris Paul. Was not good. Until he left, mm-hmm. they started skyrocketing because of James Harden. It's the reason why he was the MVP. Well, Carmelo Anthony was there, too. Carmelo wasn't that big of a factor. He wasn't a that big of a factor. Hey man, he was shooting. He was shooting those threes in that lifetime gym, man. Well, and hey, yeah. now he's a he bull. So congratulations. Them. Well, not for long. No, he's he still is a bull officially. Hanging in the Raptors. Uh, anyway, the Raptors are Raptors. The Raptors. <laughs> Before you go, go to your wet play? boy, yeah. here's a question for both of you. Yeah. Who's the better mellow, Atlanta mellow or Chicago mellow? Chicago mellow. He has longevity. They both. They both never played it. He both never played a game for either. But longevity. I mean, he was. He wasn't even a hawk for a day. And I mean, right now, Carmelo's cut you know, like five days. This is the belt. prophecy. We, we wanted him years ago, I love, and now he's returned. I also love just like, It's just like Dwayne Wade. I also Wait for Chris Bosh. He'll be here. I also love how Jim Boylan had to answer questions about Carmelo Anthony. Oh, he fits on the team. Great. Um, anyways, uh, since this award should just be named after James Harden at this point because he's had six straight wet boys or something like that. Some yeah, stupid reason not like three. He, he's now at seven, uh, all, uh, seven right mm-hmm. now in the uh, season title. Uh, second place is D-Rose, AD, Steph, all with three. Um, my actual wet boy, though, is going to be Paul George. Uh, 30 points per game, seven total rebounds, five assists, 45% from the field, 30% from three. Also, check these uh, steal numbers, two and a half 
per game. He's been phenomenal. Uh, and the uh, Thunder are on a four-game win streak. So that was the biggest thing. I was looking at Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid had like 34 points, 13 rebounds, but they lost the game to OKC. Uh, you look at Ben Simmons. He had 16, 10, and 10. Uh, I like the symmetry there. And uh, yep. he, they, they, again, lost to OKC. Um, and also I was looking at uh, Russell Westbrook because mm-hmm. um, he was somewhat efficient uh, and averaged a triple-double. But I ended up going with Paul George just because he's been a monster all season. And you know he continued it. You know, uh, that's the interesting thing about Paul George. And I only got this from the... Um, official Russell Westbrook hater in Colin Cowherd. Uh-huh. Um, apparently, when you look at the best games this year for Westbrook and Paul George, yep. in Westbrook's best games, I think the team is like seven and seven in the last like fourteen of them. Hmm. With Paul George, his last best fourteen games are twelve and two. When Paul George is on fire, I feel the Thunder like- have won. Russell Westbrook had a triple-double number. Like, it was when he triple-doubles, they have, like, a 70-something percent win chance or something mm-hmm. ridiculous. So, I don't know what Colin Coward's defined as a best game, but I do know that he had a Russell, Russell Westbrook on a triple-double means they're going to win. It's probably just leading score of the team or something uh, like that. Um, well, it's also when side, Westbrook but. doesn't take a ton of shots. Well, when Westbrook takes a ton yeah. of shots, they lose. I mean, that and just makes sense. Then his you know, field goal percentage goes up because he's probably taking higher percentage shots. Um, or he's just taking less amount of shots that are going to hurt you. Yep. Um, and he's also moving the ball around, which he's so great at doing. Um, but anyways, that's going to do it for Wet Boys um, this week. Any final thoughts on uh, James Harden, Blake Griffin, Paul George, or Buddy Heald? I just I feel like after a while it's going to be useless to do it if James Harden keeps doing what he's doing. I mean, that's why we're just not even picking him anymore. <laughs> he's just, he's he's just a shoo-in. Yep. When does he get shoot out? If he's a shoo-in now, when does he get shoot out? When he starts scoring 20 points again? When, he, when he's under we 40. May, when he gets to like... 15 wet boys in, in a row. It's like, okay, we're going to make our own Once award for James Harden. he's mathematically eliminated yeah. everyone else. <laughs> I think he already has. No, I no. don't know. He's like... Well, AD's injured. Ricky can pick Steph Curry everywhere. I, we can, feel guilty. We can pick <laughs> the Warriors. Like, <laughs> no, the Warriors no. can have a good game. I can pick the Warriors. He's, where, he's still rocking the Steph twos. <laughs> See, right? at, least, mm-hmm. at least when I picked the Suns, it was actually funny. Because it was they were a horrible the team. Had a great and they had, game. They literally shit. They're the Warriors. Lose. They have five I almost stars. picked Boogie last week. No one week. cares. I mean, <laughs> um, but you would add two wet boys to start. That was free the, jaw. Is my, my, my ending free thought. Ja. Free jaw. That's like, yeah, free jaw. Uh, maybe, maybe he'll get traded to a contender. Put him on Los <laughs> no, Angeles. Are you kidding me? He's perfect where he's at. Well, in, but when AD comes back, he's going to get time. Nico is going to get moved if he's healthy before the trade deadline. Which but what if he doesn't? Happen. And what if they move Jada to the Lakers? Oh, my God. That's what I'm saying. Meme team continues. Uh, let's move now to the uh, fantasy update. Uh, we are in fifth place right now. Hey. Uh, 85 and a half points, I believe, uh, is where we currently sit. Um, let me get the uh, standings. Uh, still at number one is uh, Philadelphia 076er. Shout out Kyle Craig. Uh, in bottom place is Kansas City Team Kraft uh, at 21 points. Poor Kraft. Uh, I remember when he was drafting the team, and he picked uh, all the young guys. Uh, mm-hmm. Young guys haven't paid off too far. He does, I believe, though, uh, have our boy. Uh, no, he doesn't have Luca, but he does have Mo Bamba. He does have Justice Winslow. Oof. He has Jonathan Isaac, uh, Markinen. He's got um, a 2K team. Kevin Knox, DeAndre Ayton, yeah. Jalen Brown. Oh, and he has Depot, too. Straight uh, up 2K team. And Dennis Smith. So uh, shout out to Kraft, though, uh, for, for still playing in this league. Uh, we'll go to... Uh, <laughs> The, the, where we sit, though, we're fourth in field goals made. We have climbed a little bit in field goal percentage. Uh, we are now 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, ninth in field goal percentage. Hey. Ninth in free throw percentage. We are tied for third in three-pointers made. We are about seventh in three-point percentage. Rebounds, we are number one. Assists, we are number three. Steals, we are two. Blocks, we have gone down, unfortunately. Uh, we are sitting at about... 
about seventh, and then mm. points we are in fifth. Uh, we were at eighty-seven and a half. Now we're down at uh, eighty, like five and a half. So uh, that's the fantasy update. Any moves we should be making, guys? Like, I mean, what was our move last week? Uh, uh, we dropped Justin Howard, I believe. Yes, it was, thankfully, he, he um, was underperforming quite a bit. We on that Memphis Grizzlies team. This is a nightmare to actually maneuver on this website. What the hell? <laughs> uh, we who do we pick up? Oh, Derek White Jr. Ah, uh, yeah, picked yeah, up Derek White. Fair. And he um, had a good game following our pickup too. Mm-hmm. He continued on his good trend, which yeah. is nice. I always still, feel like we we like jinx players when we pick them up, but yeah, yeah. I mean, he had two bad games. I think to pick him up. Uh, yeah, there we go. Six that points and right. nine points, but he said <laughs> eighteen, fifteen, and fifteen as well. So nice. Uh, shout out to uh, Derek White. Uh, we do also have Boogie. He's he's been playing well so far. So yeah. I mean, shout out to uh, Demarcus. I mean, it's, I'm glad we kept him on our bench, but I don't know if he's gonna be enough for a run. So any guys that you see out there that are available that might be available for a run? Mm, you know, I don't see anybody right now I'm in love with. It's one of those things where I think as the trade deadline comes up, some rosters are going to get shaken up, and then there's going to be some real gems right after that. What do we think about Nerlens? Ooh, He is back. Medically he has played. Cleared. Yep. I'm looking for blocks. He hasn't done much recently. But he hasn't been getting a ton of minutes, 12, 12, 20, 12, and 12 in his last five. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's always going to be when Steven Adams needs a breather. But he is one of the best big defenders in the NBA, one of the best rim protectors. I don't know if it's worth it because of the limited minutes, though. You know, what are we exchanging out for him at that point? I don't know. Trey Young has sucked ass. <laughs> like, just sucked big ass. He's still under 39. He's at 39 point, 39 and a half. Uh, field goal percentage, uh, three point percentage at twenty eight and a half. Um, yeah, he's been brutal. Uh, I mean, he doesn't. He still gets assists and uh, points, which is, I mean, good. Um, he shoots eighty percent from the free throw line, which is good as well. But I mean, like, is he hurting our team too much? Um, and then also looking at like bigs who don't block shots. Like, do we still need to have B elites on the team? Because I mean, he has kind of fallen off. He's, he's not... returned to the normal. I mean, yeah. one play. I'm going to throw him out again because in the last week. He hasn't had a terrible week, especially like what Fielo's made and stuff. D-Wade, he's only had one bad game, and that was the one against Boston where he went 3 of 10. Like, other than that— But how is D-Wade going to help us? What I'm saying is, like, he's in three of those games, 10 of 14, um, 5 of 11, 6 of 14, to where it's like the field goal's made, the percentage is there, and he's making a quality amount of them. Yeah, but we're— He's getting some assists, too. Actually, yeah. So who, last who would, five game, what's his assist mm-hmm. numbers? His assist numbers for the who last we five drop? were eight, set well four, four, eight, seven, six, and four. All right, do yeah. you want to drop Bielitsa and Vonley? Noah Vonley, um, he has been getting us blocks, but uh, he's kind of falling off a little bit. Uh, so we drop Nerlens and uh, Nerlens and Bielitsa, and then pick up D Wade uh, and uh, Nerlens Noel. You sound real sure yourself. I, I, this is this is a democracy. You I mean, seem in on the D Wade thing, Dave. Ricky is obviously in on the D Wade hey, thing. And if it doesn't work, we just drop him after a few days. Like, Bielitsa, what's his last couple looked like? Not so hot, I take it. Um, no, he has not scored over five points in the past four games. He had <sighs> say it, Ricky, five minutes. I mean, you know you want to. No, no, no. I'm just, I was gonna say no. if uh-huh. Josh Jackson didn't have a poopy game against the I'm not picking him up. Trailblazers. Like him up. he had fifteen and twenty seven. Like he had two good games and that was like if he didn't have that last then he game, is who we thought he was. I'd rather pick up D Wade. D Wade then. Let's, <laughs> let's do D Wade. Right. Nerlens I'll leave it in your hands. I, we're, we're dropping Von Lay we're or picking up Nerlens. Do we pick up Reek now that Oladipo Oh shit. Is she available? Yeah. Right 
Tyreek Evans. Yeah, we're picking up Reek over. And he is I say, right now, I, I say Reek and D Wade. No, we need blocks. Nerlens and we need blocks. I think Reek over D Wade. Mm, it's hard to argue with that actually right mm-hmm. now. All right, cool. I'm cool with that. All right, so well, we picked, Sean, good, good just, Sean just didn't want to pick up Good D-Wade. eye on Reek. We dropped uh, mm-hmm. the elite. Hey, that's your fault for bringing up Tyreek Evans. Well, uh, I want to win. That's more important. All right, well, there you go. <laughs> so I'm making winning moves here. Uh, we dropped uh, Nemanja Bielitsa. I think I think that's how it's pronounced. It's uh, somebody will tell us. Nemanja Bielitsa and uh, Noah Vonley uh, and picked up Nerland Zoel. And Tyreek Evans. Is that how you pronounce Tyreek Evans? We've got someone exclusively in our comment section for these videos. I think it's Tyreek. Who tells us how to pronounce names and gives us fantasy advice. Yeah, Sean. Ta- it's, uh, Come on. Huh? I think it's Tyreek Evans. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> Sean, he, he's our buddy. Put on. to him literally every week. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so uh, shout out to everybody who uh, helps us with fantasy advice. And then shout out to our boys, Paul George, James Harden, Blake Griffin, and Buddy Heald. But let's jump into the next topic, and we're going to welcome in patron Bill. It's been a long time since we've had Bill on, and we are very glad to have him back. He's bringing the spice as well uh, in the pre-interview uh, segment. We are talking about the Philadelphia 76ers and how Bill thinks the process has failed and how it's ruined the NBA. And if the pre-interview has been any, uh, at least, indication of what this topic's going to be, it is going to be a fun time. Bill, we are so glad to have you back on. How you doing? It's been a little bit of a hiatus, but I'm glad to be back. I was lost, but apparently not forgotten. No, <laughs> no. never forgotten. <laughs> Definitely not forgotten, and we're 100% throwing Ricky under the bus for that one. So congratulations, Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> that is acceptable. Uh, we're going to make sure it's more consistent, though. But let's jump into the uh, the process talk. Uh, I love that you're throwing this out there because obviously they're making moves. Now we, you know, once they trade for Jimmy Butler, we were saying the process is completed. completed. Um, but that doesn't mean it's been successful at least, and you are coming with the advantage point of not only has the process itself failed for Philadelphia, but at least it's bad for the NBA, and it, it's a bad look for the NBA. So why don't you expo- uh, explain your feelings a little bit before uh, you know Philly fans jump on your throat? Well, I get it, and this is nothing against the fans of Philadelphia or anything like that. It's just a knock on the the league and how, like, the way I look at it is you weren't just you're not just bad because players didn't resign with you. You missed out a few draft picks and whatnot, and then just decided to go another route. Like you purposefully lost and said to your fan base that you're going to lose in a league where this isn't an athletic athletics is competition. And you're saying you're going to purposefully lose just so that you can get draft picks and be better later. Well, for one, that strategy doesn't necessarily, that's not a strategy that, that is meant for like winning it's not always going to work out that way because you can miss on draft picks, but you're, you're basically telling a sect of people like, yeah, we're, we're going to take your money and we're not going to try, but trust us. But tr- like think of it as, as the government with taxes, we're going to take your money. Just trust us, you know? And then they screw you over. Well, that's, I feel like that's what the Sixers did to NBA fans is like, yeah, we'll take your money. We'll, you know, and Sixers fans, we'll take your money and, you know, pay ourselves, pay the players, but uh, yeah, we're just going to lose on purpose. And if, doesn't work out it doesn't work out so i just i just think it's, it's, it's a slight to the the first thought i have though is to throw this uh, at you just so you can defend it a little bit um i i kind of at least like the fact that they were at least going to you know be honest that they were rebuilding um maybe branding it as the process was the wrong move but they were rebuilding we see that right now um and you being a bulls fan obviously right now the bulls are rebuilding so how do you see that as a difference 
between what the Sixers were doing uh, and obviously the, the the process they're still in compared to what the Bulls are doing? How is it different, and, and you know what makes that a little bit better? Because right now the Bulls are still you know leading the league in in, in attendance right now. They're still selling out the United Center even though they're not putting out a great product. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. Um, I and my response to that would be, I guess, you know, the Bulls have been making terrible front office decisions, which is you know partially the reason as to we're losing, but we're not. The, the six percent office basically said that we're going to go out there and try to lose. We're going to go out there and try to lose on purpose for the specific strategy of getting higher draft picks. And I feel that that is just, it's just a slight to the, like you're, you're a professional sports team and you're going to lose on purpose. And I think it's just, it's, it's disrespectful to the league and for what competition, you know, I understand trying to rebuild and trading away players to get future assets. Um, but perfect to say we're, we're, we're going to lose. Like we, even if we have a bad team and we win some games, like, no, we don't want to do that. We want to lose those games. It's, it doesn't, it just doesn't sit right with me for somebody who pays for a product that you want to see unadulterated. We're going to bring Dave in here now, just because I, I think that Bill makes a very good point, at least separating the difference between those two. And you can look at it as, you know, Sixers fans, when they were told what the process was going to be, they knew upfront what the ideas were. Where now Bulls fans can look at it in the hire of Jim Boiling, Boiling, they can just say, all right, Garpax is horrible. They're making terrible moves. Maybe if we make a change there, this is going to, you know, change as a franchise where you look at Philadelphia. If you change the front office, well, this is the front office plan. And if they're losing, that was their goal all along. So you can't really fire them for doing what they were hired to do. So looking at this, do you see the difference? And then what do you think at least about has the process ruined the NBA or at least was it a bad look for the NBA? Right. So to your first point of actually, no, second point, has it ruined the NBA? <laughs> I'll go with it. It is it, it forever changed the NBA because I think that teams going forward are being publicly called out by not only other uh, franchise owners, but also the front office and also the media. Like there, there's such a level of uh, we've seen this happen before. We're not going to let it happen again. We're not okay with that. And it's funny because fan bases were around the league outside of Philadelphia were mainly upset with this. They felt like mm-hmm. they were being cheated out. Of it. Like you know the the you know we talk about NBA purgatory. That just you're not good enough to make the playoffs. You're not bad enough to get a top pick. And those teams stick around in that range for quite a long time sometimes. They can't pull in some free agencies or really develop a lot of great players. So I think there's a lot of frustration built up around that. And by the Sixers basically putting out a product of, we're going to move anybody who has value, who's not you know going to be a franchise-changing product for us, and they're going to go get us future picks. Whatever the value is, they're gone. Not going to worry about that. I mean, the amount of people they moved through the doors in Philadelphia was ridiculous over that uh, four-year span. I just think that it comes down to at least the Bulls are trying to use the guys they've mm-hmm. got and see if they have long-term value. Where I felt like the 76ers, it was always an open showcase for talent well, for another team. I mean, the first thing I'll piggyback onto that is, number one, we literally changed the draft rules yes. because of the process. Yes. Like, now we have the top three teams get the same odds because of odds. the process. It's not great odds, but... Like, even I'm looking at, I think, the same article you have up yep. of just the timeline of the process. I heard Rachel Nichols this week put it perfectly with the process is it wasn't just, hey, let's tank for picks. It was trade every asset we have. Like, I'm looking at some of these players. Drew Holiday, he's contributing on a Pelicans team. 
could have contributed He's all-star for the most of the time. Yeah, like, but that's what I'm saying. Like, he can contribute. Thaddeus Young, a guy who contributes on that Pacers team that he's on now. Like, they got Danny Granger when they traded in the Evan Danny Turner. Danny Granger was broken. But wait, point. they waved him right away. Like, yes, Danny Granger could have. He was broken. No, he couldn't have done anything. But uh, what I'm saying career, is, they're like, even Evan Turner, Thaddeus Young, Drew Holiday, all these guys. Just trade them to get picks. And it wasn't just like, hey, we're going to target these picks. It was get a ton of picks, first, mm-hmm. second. And it's basically let's throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. Well, yeah, and, and that's and, what it is. And even to that point, too, I know now retrospectively it is a good move. Uh, you look at the Michael Carter-Williams deal. I mean, mm-hmm. he was rookie of the year, mm-hmm. and then they end up moving him right away. And again, obviously retrospective, great deal because he obviously you know never lived up to that season again. Um, they tried to do the same thing with Ja. Yeah, they tried to do the same <laughs> thing with uh, Okafor as well. Um, but you know, you you didn't see that whole commitment to talent, or at least with the Bulls, you see them resigning Zach Levine mm-hmm. and, and you know, uh, uh, matching that offer. From Not Sacramento. just resigning, matching. Like and it wasn't just said that. No, but I'm like I just wanted to like <laughs> yeah. hammer that Emphasize. home. It wasn't like, hey, we're gonna offer this. It was, yeah, you know what? We really want you, so we're gonna match a like what many fans were like. Holy crap! Why are we overpaying him? Yeah, and thank God he's played well. Yeah, and I, I think that you at least see, you know, and most of the other young players uh, have at least, you know, put in, uh, you know, still in the rookie year deals. But then we, we talked a little bit before, uh, you know, Bill came on about the Jabari deal and, you know, the fact mm-hmm. that they went out and, you know, tried to at least make a move for him, uh, giving him $20 million, uh, 40 overall, but they obviously have the team option next year and they're just going to end up waving him. Uh, they're at least trying to get assets that they can use. And no one's really going to take on a $20 million contract from Jabari Parker even if he's playing well because of his injury history. So that was more of, let's see if you can be a Chicago Bull Mm -hmm. rather than let's bring you in for you to be an asset. Um, But, Bill, at least focusing now on how the process has changed and at least come to the modern-day 76ers, do you think it's a positive sign for teams that might want to dip their toe into the process? Because they do have three All-Stars. They have Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. Do you think that's a positive sign of the process? Or, since you're saying it failed... Uh, just because they have that talent, they're not going to win a title this year or possibly next year as well. Um, do you think that's the reason why it fails? Like, when now looking at where the process has kind of ended, um, what do you think NBA teams are taking away from it? I think if they're smart, they're looking at, at, at the total process as, no, not a, not a good move, not a good thing to do. Like, how, how long is the process? Maybe seven or eight years? Uh, you've got... 2010 to 2013 was the first year. Pretty much mm-hmm. when they traded Igudala, that was like the big year. So uh, about eight years now, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Eight, yeah, like about eight eight years, and and so you got and, and so they, I mean, as we just talked about, they traded away a bunch of assets, this and that, Michael Carter Williams. But okay, so at the end of the eight years of the process, you have Joel Embiid, who is great, but we'll see how long he lasts in the NBA. You got Ben Simmons, who's got a lot of cool young young guy, a lot of promise can't hit the broad side of a barn, but um, you have two players. You have two players, and then you acquire Jimmy Butler in a trade, and I don't see any way in hell that Jimmy, Jimmy Butler stays unless they give him the five-year 190. Mm-hmm. Um, you, can't, you can't turn away. I mean, you'd be stupid to turn away that money. Um, okay, so you have those three guys, and not, and literally nothing else. Not, literally nothing else. I mean, like J.J. Redick, okay, we'll see if he's around next year and, and what they can pay him, but if, if anybody thinks the process was successful, you're all right. So over those eight years, you got three good players and nothing else. Yeah, I think some people might argue the fact of just Markel's potential still makes him valuable, but you still even look Zaire at that. Zaire Smith as well. Uh, Zaire Smith as well. I mean, like the, the, the most of their draft, draft picks outside of Simmons and, and Embiid have not panned out. 
Like, didn't Jair Smith like, almost die or something? He did. Uh, he he did. lost 20 pounds due to a uh, infect, no, an uh, allergic it was reaction. Allergy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. They, they haven't been able to at least hit on their draft picks. All they they accumulated so many uh, draft picks, and you even look at you know the 76 or the Celtics actually. It's kind of like they did the process a little bit better because they've been <laughs> you know a better team and they have more draft picks still ready and loaded to trade for you know an Anthony Davis possibly. Um, but I still think, you know, at least the process, like, they were able to turn it into something. I mean, you look at the New York Knicks, they're not able to turn, you know, that whole team. I mean, since I was alive, they made the playoffs, I think, once. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't been able to do anything with their rebuilding or, or their stars. So, I mean, they have at least been able to show that if you tear it down all the way and build it back up, you can get back to the playoffs. And this is now a team that's fourth in the Eastern Conference. Uh, I do just want to throw out there, Philadelphia, probably the Technically, the, the the process started in 2013 mm-hmm. when they hired Brett, Brett Brown and went uh, 19 and well, 63, but they weren't good the prior year as well. But uh, Bill, just going back to you, um, do you think that you know this was at least the smartest way to rebuild for them? Because again, we don't see the typical way of rebuilding working out every time for most of these teams. And and I again, I got to say no for for a multitude of reasons. Though for reasons other than just trying to hit on draft picks and hit like I mean, there's some you guys talk about bust all the time on, on, on your podcast. And I mean, that happens. And the thing is though, you're purposefully trying to lose. You're trading away. Like, like you said, we traded away Drew holiday. Yeah. To get assets, but it's, you're literally purposefully trying to lose. So you're not only you're, you're slighting fans. You're, it, it's almost like, I mean, I guess if, if the fans know that they're purposely trying to lose, they want to pay for the tickets. It's not like stealing. Cause they're, they're, you know, paying the tickets anyway. Cause, and, and they know, but cause they're public about it, but, you're purposefully trying to lose and not build a winning culture. You have to find a way to build a winning culture and to make players want to be there, want to stay, want to be part of the process, not be like, oh, I'm just some guy who's going to get flipped for whomever. And, like, I mean, the, the Philadelphia 76ers remind me of, like, a 2K rebuild where you have, like, a rebuilding challenge, mm-hmm. and they just start training people and future picks and all this, and it's like, that's cool in video games, but if, if a front office tried to do it that way, like, the Celtics had a winning culture and they had – they had players around that they kept around to mentor young players and to try to win games. And the fact that the Sixers purposely didn't want to do that, uh, what, what is it? What is the what is the saying when you get like fouled and you don't think it was a foul and they go to shoot the free throw and they make like ball don't lie when they shoot mm-hmm. the free throw? Mm-hmm. It's like you know, it's like the the higher powers of it looking down. Like yeah, you're going to try to lose on purpose. Well, you're going to get Jaleel Okafor and you're going to get Markel Fultz and you're going to get. Nerlens Noel as your as your top picks like you there you go because it's it's the integrity of what it entails I guess is what bothers me about it and that the league is okay with them openly saying we're gonna lose because it's I I don't know it's just, it I just think it's it's not it's not professional that's not what you know but they, they did they did what they did they thought it would work and from I. It's been eight years of the process. They're the fourth seed in the East, and they haven't been into the second round of the playoffs. And, you know, so I guess the way I look at it is let's get, let's give them two more years. Do I think in two years, so a 10-total-year run, do I think in two more years that the Philadelphia Sixers, 76ers, will be anywhere past the second round of the playoffs? And I think the answer is absolutely not. Well, and the thing that I want to – the thing I like that you mentioned was the building a culture because – before I get into that, the one thing I do want to say is this shows that, like, drafting is a science, and it's not an exact science. Like, for example, look at the Phoenix Suns, Z's team, where, what, in the past five years, they've been in the top five four of the or four of the last six years, they've had a top five pick. 
And it's like, and they, where are they now? They're still at the bottom, going to probably have mm-hmm. another top five pick. And the thing I like with Bill mentioning culture is I look at teams like, and yet again, think about what I just said. Drafting's not an exact science. So it's not like you can say, do what this team did and you can get in. But like, I look at teams that have drafted their talent. And the two I look at, the one is the Warriors. Like, yeah, they, they got lucky. They got even before Kevin Durant, like no. Steph Curry becoming who he is, Clay Thompson, like they hit on their draft picks and they developed into what they are today. But but I think there was also luck in those draft yeah, picks, just because like bit. you look at Steph but Curry. I mean, two 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 point guards went before him. That's drafting too. Is drafting is all luck? Yes, but but yeah. again, like you you look at Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Like Philadelphia has had their choice now. Yeah, uh, what? The, hold on, Philadelphia said their full, like their true choice, their true mm-hmm. number one choice two times now with Markel Fultz mm-hmm. and uh, you know Ben Simmons. They had the options of picking any yeah. player. They ended up going with that. They're one for two. But you look at, you know, you know the Steph Curry year, you know, Steph was arguably the most productive player. He's more mm-hmm. productive than Johnny Flynn, and he just ends up falling because of the injury, you know, the injury that he had uh, with his ankles. And then you look at the Clay Thompson thing. Clay had some troubles in college as well. That's why he fell to 11. So I just want to well, throw out that there was some luck with the Warriors. And stuff. that's why, for me, the, the reason why I was going to cut you off is they're not even the team I really want to use. Okay. I want to use Denver. They're a team that has been using their draft picks, getting the guys that they want. And I feel like they are built, they've built a culture to where it's like, hey, we've drafted the guys that we wanted, developed the guys that we wanted. And this year they're taking that next step. And it's funny that a team like the Nuggets didn't do something like the process. They're competing in a tough Western Conference. The Sixers go through the process. They've got Ben Simmons. They got Joe. They trade for Jimmy Butler, yet the Raptors are better than them. The Bucks are better than them. The I would say the Celtics in a seven-game series are better than them. It's like there are so many teams in an Eastern Conference that are better than the Sixers that it's like in the end I wonder if like what Bill said, when we get two years down the line, are we going to be looking at it and going, wow, that was a failed experiment? Well, I, I think it's it depends on what means the process succeeded. And I think it means NBA Finals. Um, and I don't know if they're there yet in the next two years, but we are at least seeing Philadelphia now push back a little bit on the process. Because mm-hmm. at least since 2013, I've, I would say that Philadelphia fans have been probably like 60% uh, of fans have been fine <laughs> with the process because you know now they're back in the playoffs. They just you know over uh, overachieved last year, getting fifty wins. That yeah. was a huge success for the process. Now they have three all stars in Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons, and, and, and Joel Embiid. But they also have the best of luck. I mean, even look with the Colangelo stuff as well. They were trying to build the culture in that front office, and they weren't able to do so because he was just a, an erratic personality that apparently needed to you know get his thoughts out um, under under different names or whatever the whole the tweet situation was. Um, and then you look at the, and now you look at that coach. I mean, they've been trying to build that 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 uh, culture with Brett Brown. He's been there since 2013, and now you kind of see Philadelphia fans turning on him. So we haven't seen that culture kind of at least be developed yet because they haven't had those consistent players that have been there. And then also you look at the head coach. Is the head coach the the right guy at least? And I think that's what most of Philadelphia is wondering. It's funny you bring up the uh, consistency of players because they moved their guys that basically had grown up through the process Mm -hmm. in Robert Covington, a G League guy who was picked up by the Mavs initially. And like he did his time, he grew, he developed, and he became like one of the best 3 and D wings in the NBA. He was what we were hoping for. As far as, like, that's your role player. That's the glue guy on a team mm-hmm. that, you know, puts them over the top when they've got their stars. He's the guy who gets it done night in, night out. He's your Luol Deng. Yep. 
he gets moved. Yeah. Dario Sarch, same thing. It was like mm-hmm. he was a first round pick during the process. Yes, we were hyped about him. You know, when he came over, it was oh, this guy's he's a big, he's got a soft touch, he can shoot pretty well. Lost a couple of years, and nope, he's out of town. So like Jeremy Grant, another one developed, and then he keeps developing now on another team. But they had those guys there, and they're all gone. I think that's sort of where it feels like, like you said, the the culture has sort of been like raked over a little bit uh, because of that constant turnover. But I, I think it is funny that you know what I applaud the Sixers for doing was keeping Brett Brown around to keep that one vision, one voice uh, maintained amongst the players because it's when you see it with the constant turnover of coaches, a la Phoenix. It's just like one year they're doing this. The next year, what are we doing? I don't know. We've got a different head coach. And the next year, I don't know. We've got a different head coach. And it's just like you can't build on anything. It feels like every year you're just starting over again almost. Mm-hmm. So I, I do applaud them for it. And whether Brett Brown is or isn't going to be able to take them to a championship, uh, that that's a different question for a different day. But I think with as far as the process goes, like you said, I think Ricky nailed it as far as you're just trying to get as many tickets to the lottery as possible. Mm -hmm. And if this pans out for them with Markel Zaire, um, obviously, like if one of those two guys can hit, then then it's really looking good for me. And I'm struggling to say, like, is it what what in in what context would a failure be if Mm -hmm. in two or three years? If they don't win a championship, but they're you know a a Eastern Conference Finals I, team, well, on, I think gonna, championship I'm, is the bar. I'm gonna go to Bill real quick, just because he wanted to jump mm-hmm. in at least one. It's not like he wanted to jump in when I brought up the idea of what makes the process successful, and this is kind of uh, what Dave yeah. is kind of pushing towards. So, Bill, you're saying that it, it's failed so far. Um, what does it need to do to be successful mm-hmm. in your mind? Uh, what do you think for those in this next two year gap that you're giving them, or at least you know two and a half if we're counting this year? Uh, in this next two and a year gap, what do the Sixers need to do to at least kind of prove that the process was worth it? Uh, I, I guess with the the way you frame that, in my mind, nothing. Like you, yeah, oh. be, no, no, no. Well, and, and I'll and I'll talk about it not because you lost on purpose. You traded away your whole team to get Jimmy Butler, who is now riding the asses of players that are in that locker room as well. I mean, according to reports, but mm-hmm. you. You traded away your whole team. You don't. You don't have. You have PJ McConnell as a point guard. You got JJ Redick, and then the three stars. I'd even consider Ben Simmons a half a star because he, he's got to learn how to shoot. But um, no, I mean no disrespect to him. He's a great player. But you, they can't. You you tried to lose on purpose. It's been since 2010. You haven't been able to get out of the first round of the playoffs. Um, did they make it to the second round last year? No. It was, was it a second round exit? It was or? a second round exit. They lost mm-hmm. to uh, Boston in uh, was it five or four? Right, right. Um, yeah. Like you, you, you lost on purpose. You slighted the NBA. You, you took the integrity of what the league is supposed to be, and kind of, you know, for arguments like wiped your ass with it, and you gave away assets just to try to get these superstar number one overall picks, and and, and in my mind, be greedy with it. We we try to lose on purpose to get let's say three number one overall picks in a row and build a team that way. Well, just look like they're even saying that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid have reports that they don't get along together because it, it's Embiid's team, Embiid's, Embiid city. Look at all those egos. If you want three number one draft picks, you're going to deal with three number one overall egos. Look at the, and I'll bring up the Warriors. There's that, that Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, um, Draymond Green, a second round pick, a, a, a 10th or 11th overall pick, a sixth overall pick. You know, and they gelled together as a team, and they learned their roles. If you want to get all those number one overall picks, 
sweet. You have three LeBron Jameses on your team. Which one is going to be the one who runs the team and who's going to fall in line? There is no order. There is no pecking order. You know what I mean? And it's not like a bunch of NBA veterans got together and made a big three and understood we're going to have to make sacrifices, yada, 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 this and that. They're all there to make a paycheck. I mean, Boston's dealing with this now in an inadvertent way in a, in a, in a more they did very smart front office work to get all these young assets, but they're dealing with kind of the same issue these guys want to get paid. They want to make their contract. They, you know, they're young and they want to make their presence known in this league. What do you expect when you're going to lose on purpose and get the biggest talents, the biggest egos? And, and not, not that that's a bad thing, but throw three number one overall picks in a row on the same team. Whose team is it? Who backs down first? And, and so I just don't think that's good for Cal. I, I think there's I, nothing that they can do to, to absolve this. They should just start running the franchise the way that, the way that and then somebody with integrity would. Yeah, I think the point that you hit that I, I do like, um, maybe it was the at least oversight, Ricky, um, mm-hmm. for the process was putting a big three together. Because you look at Miami, yeah. that came together naturally. You look at Boston, mm-hmm. that came together naturally. You look at Golden State, that came... None of these were natural. They were all well, moves well, in. No, no, no I'm saying, I'm saying like, this is something that was like, hey, Miami was, these three guys want to come together. Mm-hmm. That was oh, okay. a natural oh, draw, okay. drawn to. You look at Boston, these were three veterans that... All were, were were just like one piece away of pushing together and being a great team, and they all knew that their goal was to win a championship, um, and they were at that point in their career to win that championship. In Golden State, they were drafted mm-hmm. together, but well, like Bill made a great point, it was exact, the draft pick positions. And that's exactly where I wanted to start. Is look at I'm going to use two pair of players, mm-hmm. Steph and Clay, Michael and Scotty, where if both of those, Steph and Michael, are the guy. And there's even, like, I heard this week, I think it was on the jump or it might have been on the herd, where you look at Scottie Pippen. He never wanted to be the guy. He was fine being in Michael's shadow. Let Michael be the head of the team. I can just go out there and ball. I don't have to, like, Michael's going to be the one to answer questions. Everyone's going to want to talk to Michael. I can just go out there and ball. And then Michael leaves after 98. That next season, guess what? Scotty's got to do more than just ball, and well, he didn't like it. Ninety-three, and then it, too, ninety-four, yeah. ninety-five. Well, I mean, they, I mean the team. The real thing, the same level, where it happened was after mm-hmm. Michael retired the second time. Then he goes to like his next team, same thing. Then he goes to like Portland, same thing. And I feel the same with the Warriors, where Steph's the guy. Steph is the one that can be the poster. Clay can just go out there and ball. And with the Sixers, Bill hit it right on the head. Ben wants to be the guy. Joe wants to be the guy. Jimmy wants to be the guy. Hell, there's even rumors, not rumors, more of opinions of like, oh, could the Sixers end up trading Jimmy Butler before the deadline to try to get something from him? Like, Mm -hmm. we're even like, that's the kind of stuff we're talking about on a team that wants to win a championship. Because, like, I don't agree with Bill where there's going, like, if they win a championship, the process is successful. But that's the bar to me. If you come anything short of that, then you failed because that's every other team's goal that didn't do the process. Well, Dave, as the resident Sixer fan on the podcast, I think you should at least bring some positivity. Like, because well, Jake's not here to defend him. Yeah, I'll, I'll be the standard <laughs> well, Jake. What's the counter to at least Ricky and, and and Bill's points, where Bill's saying you know the process is, has been a failure because it's you know it's lacks integrity. Um, Ricky obviously saying that you know mo- I would probably say that most likely Philadelphia is not going to win a championship at least in the next two years. Um, so that means he's saying it's failed. What would you say that at least the counterpoint is to saying it hasn't failed or it's not a failure yet? I would say that you guys are still criticizing their two best players who are on rookie contracts. Uh, they've got two more first-round picks in the lottery that they haven't 
even seen play very much. I mean, Zaire Smith obviously nearly died, and Markel got to see you know a smidge here, a smidge there. But like, if his medical uh, issue is resolved, one thing Joe is not on his rookie deal anymore. The extension kicked in this year. Ah, fair enough. Uh, one on rookie deal and one just off of it. Uh, point being, it's too early to say. It's absolutely too early to say. The whole point of the process, admittedly, was to go get stars. That is what they've done. They have three stars on their team. That is what the process had the point for. As far as integrity goes, they didn't have any. I don't think anyone cared um, in that front office. The whole point was, what would you rather do? We were a team that sat in the middle of the NBA for how long? And we couldn't get over the hump. We couldn't get over the hump. Guess what? Nobody wants to come here in free agency during the current, during the current time period, uh, early two thousand or late two thousands mm-hmm. uh, into the twenty tens, and they were just stuck. And how do you get unstuck? You start moving pieces and you start rebuilding. And they went the most effective way they could, and something that we hadn't seen the NBA for. I don't think that anyone should penalize them for taking advantage of the system that was in place. The system was broke. They took advantage of it. You're saying don't hit the player, hit the game. Damn right I am. I think that the uh, the biggest criticism for you know their the, the qualifier for saying well they haven't won a championship is okay. Well, who's over 25 on that team other than Jimmy Butler, who's actually going to be playing there? JJ Redick is the only guy, and he mm-hmm. may leave next year because there's going to be more money out there unless he really loved playing there. Yeah. So, and I think Bill, the best way at least we can wrap this up is. Do you think the NBA, at least since the process has started, has done enough to at least kind of combat teams and push them away from you know doing another process thing with at least changing the lottery odds and, and some of the other uh, measurements they have taken to um, kind of counteract uh, uh, tanking at least? Um, just, so, just so I could, you, you said you said has the NBA done enough to prevent the like purposeful is that is that how you? Yeah, yeah. yeah, so so has the NBA done enough, in your opinion, to at least push teams away from you know doing another process? Uh, I, I, I think they I think they recognize I think they recognize the issue. I think the NBA recognizes the issue. I think they want to combat the issue, and I don't think they have done enough because I think that no pun intended. I think it's a process to figure out you know what kind of ways you can prevent teams from purposefully like for doing exactly what the Sixers did. Um, I don't think you could fix that in one year because you have to see trends and you have to, you don't want to make a bunch of rule changes and then, you know, over, you know, overcompensate in that way and just completely mess up the league. But um, I think they've taken some steps in the right direction, but I don't think it's the way I look at, I think that the lottery should be held for all the teams. I think for all the teams that don't make the playoffs, Every team has the same odds to get every pick, Ooh. and it's it's ro- it's rolled out there, and that's so, and that will eliminate the teams who are the like, you know, obviously Victor Oladipo got hurt, but the Indiana Pacers are the world who are right there, right on the cusp, you know, that that'll eliminate, you know, when they were bad a few years ago, but they were on, the, you know, maybe seventh, eighth, ninth pick overall, like it'll eliminate those teams from being stuck, from being that stuck franchise because at any time that you don't make the playoffs, you can get any pick. And you could be the team that just missed out, and you get the number one overall pick, and, and wow, like that could completely change your franchise. So I think it would add a little bit more integrity to the game, and just you know, just because you're in the bottom five, don't stop trying, building a winning culture, because I think at the end of the day, it'll make the overall league better if everybody's always trying to win. People will get better. People want to play on the floor. People will, or players will want to get better. They'll want to be on the floor. They won't want to be sitting losing. 
and I think the fans will get way more enjoyment out of it. And, you know, think about back when the Bulls got the number one overall pick with Derrick Rose. Like, that, obviously, the injuries that that completely derailed what we had going there. But, you know, we were, I think, had like the second to third least amount of odds to get it. And we mm-hmm. got, and, and so the Bulls were on that cusp of, we're kind of bad, but we're not but we're not terrible. And we got lucky and got that number one overall pick. Imagine if every team had the same odds to get that. There'd be so all the franchisers who are trying to do it the right way by building winning cultures, signing players and, and getting people to want to come there. Anybody could get the superstar at any time is what that says. So, and I think that's, I think would be, I don't think there's a 100% fix to it, but I think that's the best. I think that would be the best way to roll it out and to get the best competition and the best product out of it. Yeah, and we have seen that before uh, when the Knicks won the lottery. Uh, that was the the way they did it. They just threw all 14 teams into the the, the hopper. Obviously, everyone's seen You're the stir. The, the frozen envelope. envelope. Yeah, the Patrick Ewing, the frozen envelope thing. Yep. Uh, that was the, uh, the way the lottery happened until 1989, until they went to the weighted lottery system in 1990. Uh, they also then uh, switched, I think, uh, in like 87. They modified it to just, uh, it was the first three picks were determined by the lottery, and then it was flipped. So maybe you do at least... I, I kind of like the idea of at least possibly talking about um, the first three picks are you know determined by every team has the same odds and in the the, the the first I like the, the fourteen chaos. teams that don't yeah the four, the fourteen teams that don't make the uh, the, uh, the 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 what's it called the four, don't make the playoffs Pals, they yeah. they get into put in the lottery for the top three and then it goes reverse order because that way even if you are the worst team you still don't get screwed you still get a top five pick. Um, but then again, I think we'll see how at least this year goes and with the change of the, the weighted system, uh, how that ends up turning out. Uh, Ricky, what are your thoughts at least on the, has the NBA done enough? I mean, I'm just thinking, and this is a draft thing in general, because like I'm thinking of the different drafts. Baseball is obviously different because I mean, yeah, if sometimes like you pick a top five guy, top 10 guy, mm-hmm. like depending on who it is, like Chris Bryant, when the Cubs drafted him. We knew he wasn't going to be in the minors for long. Like, he was there to get that extra year, and then he was going to be in the majors. But usually, you draft someone, they're going to be in the minors for some time. You've got hockey, which has a lottery system just like the NBA, but then you have the NFL, which doesn't have a lottery system at all. And I almost wonder, I'm looking at NFL to NBA, is it because of the type of games where the NBA can't do what the NFL does, because it's easier to throw a game in the NBA because of how individual like individual stars are highlighted more in the NBA compared to the NFL. Also, there's only 16 games. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you could be a team that's still bad relatively, but yeah. still win eight games and still go to the playoffs. And that's more important yeah. to a team than getting the number one overall Meanwhile, pick. you can't put out, you know, a full roster of G-leaguers onto the field in the NFL. Yeah. You just mm-hmm. can't. Yeah. So you get met. Ma- well, because there is, and there's like there is no G League well, um, for NFL. Yeah, but like you couldn't impossible. put you couldn't put out like, yeah. third stringers. Uh, yeah. for mm-hmm. you know the entire third and fourth quarter to lose yeah, every game. The Montreal Alouettes under the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, and you can hire Mark Trussman to be your coach. Mm-hmm. Um, let's. <laughs> uh, we'll go to uh, Bill. Uh, final thoughts on on your, your your process. I do love the tenacity and the uh, the, the fire you brought to uh, the, the, this topic. It's been a fun time. Yeah, I, I, I just think that it's something, and the, and the reason I'm very passionate about it is because it's it's the integrity of the game. Where we I want to see the best players out there competing to be better, and by purposefully losing, it it doesn't it it strips it strips the league of that. And nothing against Sixers fans, I kind of feel bad for them that their front office did this. It's, I mean, I'm a Bulls fan. I, like like I said, I, I think the Bulls front office is playing Russian roulette with a fully loaded weapon. 
know, no empty chambers in that. And just completely <laughs> in the head. But so I see for Sixers fans, but I, I don't. The, the way that to, to be proud or happy that your team is doing that, the, that doing that in that way, well, you, you got served with Jimmy Butler. Great. You have Jimmy Butler is probably going to walk away and leave you with a star who can't shoot and another star who's probably going to, you know, maybe be out of the league by the time he's 32 or at least be a shell of himself at that point because of the way he plays in his body. I mean, it. I, I'm glad that it turned out this way. I, I think that the process is – I don't think the Philadelphia 76ers win a championship in the next five years. Okay, that, that's a 15-year window. I don't think a championship comes. I don't even think they sniff the finals. And I'm glad it's going to work out that way, not to slight Sixers fans, but so that other teams don't try to do that and so that it keeps the integrity of the game a little bit. Hey, I will say that when the Bulls had Hoiberg, I knew we were tanking, but at least it was fun to watch games. You just don't have the playoffs with them. Yeah, I know. That was the first. That was our even young, like last that was our year, young team. It was fun. Like Dave even said it when we fired him. He goes, man, watching Boylan lose isn't fun. At least Fred had fun out there. Seriously, Boylan's <laughs> got to be the worst coach to have. With a young team, uh, but no, I, my final kind of thought on this is, you know, there's no one set uh, blueprint to get a team to a championship in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Like we're in such a volatile time with free agency, the amount of power given to the players, that I don't think that there's any guarantee that doing uh, or trying to recreate the process again will get you two, three all stars and the same hope even mm-hmm. to where they are right now, where they've got a ton of potential. And if they can grow, they're really dangerous. I mean, you look at the top teams in the league. The Bucks hit on literally two picks, and the rest of them have been moved in from the uh, by the front office. The Raptors, homegrown talent, mm-hmm. front office move, put them over the top. Pacers, front office move, one piece of homegrown talent. Uh, 76ers, absolutely covered. Celtics, they just fucked the Nets. Like, <laughs> I just nailed it. Uh <laughs> The Nets have done an awesome job. Like, they are doing it on both ends. They're hitting their draft picks, and their front office is killing it for them. So, like, gold star to that team. They're, they're my, like, favorite underdog team. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go look at the West, though, same thing. Warriors was, you hit, on, you hit on talent, but it was the fact that they brought in the veterans, like Andre Iguodala and Sean mm-hmm. Livingston. That, David Lee. David Lee. Andrew Bogut. Mm-hmm. Like, those are the guys who were the like bones. They they were the structure of well, that early franchise. They even took the vet minimum on Demarcus Cousins. Exactly. What a smart move. Exactly. How could you pass that up? <laughs> Didn't even know it was an option. Nuggets <laughs> had a little bit of homegrown talent, and they're, they're taking opportunities when they can. Obviously, the whole Nurkic situation uh, worked out to get a great backup center. The and, one thing with the Nuggets I want to yeah. throw out there. So originally, in I think it was 2017, they drafted Donovan Mitchell. Could you imagine if they had him instead of uh, Tyler Lydon? Because that's who they. Uh, that, was, that was the pick that swapped for. Uh, I thought it was Trey Lyles. Then no, it was Tyler Lydon. It wasn't Trey Lyles. I thought Trey Lyles was moved on that pick. Yeah, it was Trey. Yeah, it was Trey. Yeah. yeah, but still, I was like, if they had Donovan Mitchell, that'd be pretty cool. But that was oh, yeah. besides the point. Uh, Thunder, they've got homegrown talent, but they also went out and got down the front office mm-hmm. to bring in uh, free agents and make trades. Trailblazers, homegrown, and then one trade to bring in Nurkic. Rockets completely front office. Uh, Clint Capella being the exception, but that was a long-term, like, low-risk, uh, high-reward kind of pick. So I, I just look at the top teams in the NBA. It's, you can't do it just doing one thing. So I think that the NBA, yes, I, I like your chaos theory, Bill. I think that's absolutely fantastic. If you don't make the uh, NBA playoffs, you're entered in for either, like Sean said, top three, maybe top five picks. Mm, uh, just number one overall. Down. Uh, no, no, no. I want it wider. Okay. I want it wider. I want to see some of these just-miss playoff teams end up with some incredible talent. 
because I'm with you. I think that I think that would help the game, and I think that would help the balance. Uh, because I last year watching the Mavs, guess what? Got fined because their owner came out and said, "Yeah, we're not winning games. We want a better pick." Mm-hmm. I mean, the lineups they were putting out there were absolutely garbage, like G League straight up G League lineups. The Bulls, I mean, come I mean, on. or you could be the this Thunder, year, have terrible. Durant, Westbrook, and Harden, and lose two of them. Like you could draft again, three of those players had, and then they've had amazing drafts. Free agency. They've had amazing draft talent. So no, I think there's no one blueprint, but you know this that we're taking steps in the right direction. Yeah, and we'll see what the NBA does because I mean, obviously, you know, I don't think anyone te- team is technically tanking right now because you look at New York and I don't know if they're technically tanking. I mean, they're trying out players, but I mean, I think Cleveland lot- might be. Well, Cleveland just indirectly. lost the greatest player in my yeah. generation. So and then it's, Kevin Love, their backup, is you know, an all-star, yeah, got so hurt. I don't think they're technically it's the LeBron, tanking. It's the LeBron I mean, the Suns sort of, you want to question the tanking. They, they refuse <laughs> to pick up a point guard. <laughs> yeah, but also they have they they had a horrible front office move. That's oh, just an, yeah. an aptitude they're, because they they're terrible all they, over. they hired a guy wrong. with no experience who just got out of the league. Yep. And they fired who I thought was one of the better young uh, GMs in, in the, in the, uh, the NBA and Ryan McDonough. Uh, anyways. That's going to do it on the uh, process. I know 76ers fans are most likely going to love it, even though Bill threw out so many disclaimers about it's not the fans. Uh, Bill, you'll get to learn that he's it doesn't tra- matter. He's fighting for the fans' <laughs> faith. He wants yeah. them to get the best product. Well, it doesn't matter. You, I mean, you you said that you you, you like Memphis. You want them to have a good oh great God. team. Go back and then, listen uh, to the beginning of the season. People, we got like two kill yourself comments. Yeah, so, uh, that's rough. Bill, I do want to say uh, thank you for coming on. I do want to say also thank you for uh, the uh, passion you brought because that was a, a very fun uh, 42 minutes, and we appreciate you being a patron. But let's move into the last segment, and we're going to talk about the end of Gar Packs, hopefully, in Chicago. We are going to welcome in our patron, Pat. Uh, Pat, first off, uh, we want to thank you for being on the podcast. I know Ricky's excited to be talking about some Chicago Bulls, so uh, thank you for being on it. Thanks for being a patron. Oh, no thing. No problem, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's, it's been a while, but I'm, I'm glad to be back, and especially to talk about the great, great duo of Gar Packs. <laughs> so... Let's. I want to. I want to get your feelings first because I know Ricky's feelings. I know Dave's feelings of the roller coaster of a ride that has been the 2018-2019 Chicago Bulls, uh, at least season so far. Um, obviously, the firing of Greg, uh, of Fred Hoiberg, uh, the hiring of Jim Boylan, and then you just see the lack of, I don't know, coherency or just lack of brain functioning um, from Gar Paxson or Gar Foreman and John Paxson. Um, so what have you thought so far uh, of this Bulls season? Has it been a roller coaster for you, or has it just been kind of just a, a depression? Just, you know, people, someone just keep punching you over and over again. Uh, what's your feelings been so far? It's definitely the punching over. Because <laughs> every, every day, since the Bulls have fired Fred Hoiberg and since Boylan has t- taken over, like every day it's just a different kind of uh, – like another reason to make fun of the Bulls. Either they're going back to 1999 with their isolation post-ups that Boylan wants to be champion, or it's the players like not progressing as we thought they would this season. Markin's not taking a leap forward. Zach Levine not taking a leap forward. Chris Dunn still shoots his mid-range jumpers that everybody bags him for. And when those guys got injured at the beginning of the season, you saw that the absolute like lack of depth that Garv would say at the beginning like oh we're too deep at every position and they're just they just weren't that way they just they had no depth they had nobody to carry the torch they had nobody to like keep them like decently competitive all those guys are injured and like who built the roster Garpax who fired the coach and replaced him with a guy who does Timley does not know how to work with today's players or work with today's NBA Garpax and so 
all of that has just like let me like okay this has got to be the worst season I've seen as a Bulls fan and I don't see any reason for Garpax to stay on seeing as they're the ones who have perpetrated every decision that has led them to this point and now we just have to sit back and watch the Bulls like lose by 20 every night and it sucks. I, I think that's a claim that I haven't heard from Bulls fans but I don't think it's too surprising mm-hmm. that this is the worst Bulls season that um, you know, fans have seen. Uh, personally, I, I mean, I, I haven't been uh, long enough to to actually determine. It I think sucks that to would, watch games. That would make sense, but at least take me through it because you you have been a Bulls well, fan for a while, Ricky. I know. Obviously, you look at the post Michael days, and it kind of mm-hmm. made sense that that team was bad. They were still building up. Yeah. Is, has well, this been we'll, the, the toughest season for you to, to to follow as well? Well, the toughest thing about this season has been like when Michael retired. It was just like we lost the greatest player. Like, that's why we stink. Um, whereas this, it kind of feels like management and the coaching is over here on the right. The players are over here on the left. And I was reading an article um, earlier today. I pulled it up just now um, from Bloggable SB Nation. And they, in the article, quote, a um, Daryl Mayberry of The Athletic had an article where I guess he put um, this little excerpt in there where he said, so based on almost everything I'm hearing and have heard for 24 games now, everyone and everything seems to be the issue except the coaching staff. I'm not buying it. I'm not sure why everyone is so hesitant to speak candidly about the coaches. I get that it's deemed unprofessional to throw a comrade under the bus, but that's not even what I'm saying here. Nobody wants to say anything. And Boylan keeps talking more about grit and toughness rather than schemes and tactics and it's and it'll take to get teams out of this mess and then like they even have quotes from players and it's like Laurie's out there saying like we weren't going under screens they killed us on switches like we got to be doing more of that and then you got Zach going like yeah you look up you're down 15 and 20 it's discouraging he's like I'm going to fight for every ball but he's like you look at the Hawks and they're out there moving the ball playing with space he's like that's what we should be doing and it just it kills me that we've always hated Garpex. Let's be honest. Like Bulls fans, we've had a hate hate relationship. It seems with Garpex. And the thing that's killed me the most is um, Pat might get this a little bit. Was whenever John Paxson takes the podium, he's got like to me he's got the John Gross effect where <laughs> you don't win games, but after a press conference, you say all the right things to make me. Like, think, oh, you're a good guy. Like, I can't be mad at you. Like, okay, it's okay. Like, that was John Gross in Illinois where it was like, we weren't winning games at the end, but I would see a press conference with John Gross and I would be excited. Like, I'd be excited. I think he's a good guy. And it's like, I am on the point of like, let's just burn the whole thing down, start from the beginning. Like, just burn everything except the players. Keep the players, burn everything up, and start uh, all over. that one for us, yeah. Ricky. Because our players aren't bad. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that, like, confuses me. Our players aren't bad. Uh, well, but they aren't, they aren't so great either. Well, real quick. They're not get, championship level, but we're not terrible. Before we get to that, I do I do want to go to Pat. And, and, and do you have that effect with, with Paxson that, that Ricky's describing with the, the John Gross effect? I kind of do because, like, Paxman is very well-spoken and he is really good at explaining his decisions in a way to the media. I mean, he's done this for, like, 20 or 30 years, it seems like, so you expect him to be good at that. And also, Paxman has just been with the Bulls for so long. Like, he has a championship ring. He played with Michael Jordan. So there's always, like, that effect of, like, 
okay, like he is like he does know the organization well, but it also after a while you just get like like if it's not going to get any better and you don't see a direction of like how they could maneuver it to make it better, and especially after this season where everything is just like step back in the worst possible way, like you just you lose your faith after a while, even no matter how many times like Faxon explains himself. Mm-hmm. And and Dave, I mean, you've you've mentioned obviously that this has been a tough uh, season for you to watch. I mean, you said you said at least when you were watching Fred Hoiberg lose, it was fun watching Boylan. It hasn't been been fun. You see that you know with with Paxson, although he is a likable guy, he he does have ties with the organization. Um, his ineptitude, it just seems like it's it, even if he was trying to do it on purpose, like no one could mess up this much uh, on purpose. Like you're just falling, failing in every single possible way. Um, so what is the direction for the Bulls? What, what's, what's any direction that is possible for the Chicago Bulls? Um, what's the next step for, for this franchise in your mind that needs to be done? Do you think, in my opinion, or what's actually going to happen? We'll get to what's <laughs> actually going to happen. Because obviously the we're, we're saying that this should be the end for Gar Pax. Yeah. Bulls fans have been saying this for, I think, about six years now, mm-hmm. that yeah. it should be the end of Gar, uh, Gar Paxson's yeah. reign. Um, but obviously that's different than what Jerry's going to do. So at least yeah. in your opinion, uh, and, and kind of taking what Pat said about the direction of the Bulls, what do you see as the possible directions for the Chicago Bulls? I mean, I'm still with Jerry. You probably got to get rid of another player to get some more cash considerations for Machado. Uh, that 75K is going to be huge. <laughs> well, I mean, we got cash considerations from the Rockets. That's what I'm so saying. We, we, yeah, we, we need get some more. Yeah. 5K from him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there you go, Pat. Now you're in the Bulls mood. Um, you picked the topic, Pat. I don't feel too sorry. I know, I know. But in all all likelihood, th- this is still a, a team with a couple of good pieces on it. And, you know, we'll, we'll have to shake out to see mm-hmm. what is our roster moving forward. I think very likely it's still, we're hoping Levine is still our guy, uh, Lowry's our guy. Wendell, I know he just got hurt, uh, but he'll be out. He'll be fine later or next year. I don't even know how long it's going to be uh, for his, uh, I think, thumb injury, right? Mm-hmm. Surgery. Um, but, yeah, it, Hutch, we'll see. Like he, He's someone who I really expect a lot out of because we literally don't have a starting three to start the year, and yet he has not uh, not found any consistency nor uh, – he's, he's still young. Like, I know. That's what I think. But he's of. not the youngest because, yeah. remember, he's a three-year college player. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were expecting a ready-made product. Mm-hmm. Not so much. Uh, so that's why I, I struggle when I watch, you know, Archie Diacono get minutes, when I watch guys like Shaq Harrelson get minutes, when um, even – yeah. it As I continue to name players, I'm like, man. You're Archie just getting just more sucks. and more angry. Between Blakeney out there getting way too many minutes – uh, Felicio, horrible con- Like, you know the problem. The problem is that we make a poor decisions in free agency, and mm-hmm. we make poor trades. Like, we are one of the. We got so lucky with the Jimmy Butler deal. It just, just for context, like you have no idea how incredibly lucky it was to get back. Uh, not only Zach Levine, Lowry, and Chris Dunn. Like that was freaking miracle for Chicago. Mm-hmm. You know that it was Derrick Rose miracle number one. That trade number two, but like that did set us up to kind of skip the process uh, uh, a little bit because I think that you know it, it, it's pros and cons that we got good talent, mm-hmm. but we're also you know already paying for Zach Levine's contract, and we didn't necessarily bottom out as hard as a team mm-hmm. like Phoenix or uh, the 76ers did, where they're acquiring these very very good players: Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton combo, 
Obviously, Josh Jackson, hit or miss, we'll see. Well, real quick, I will yeah. say Booker was a lower pick than he was Chris Dunn. He was four? 11, I think. So he was yeah, a, he was 13. a lower pick than 13. Uh, yeah, yeah, 13. He was a lower pick than Levine. He was a lower pick than uh, Markin and, and, and Chris Dunn as well. Yeah. And, and I mean, they, they, they picked a stud. But I'm saying like DeAndre Ayton mm-hmm. was their dude. And then they got Josh Jackson as well at the yep. top. So I'm not even going to mention the Dragon Bender thing. We'll see. Mm-hmm. He just double-doubles, man. Yeah. He's got hope still. But my point being is, you know, we didn't bottom out, so we don't have that glut of top-end talent, um, and we're already paying for Zach's contract. So we're we're in an interesting position where if this year we truly do bottom out and we can go get ourselves, you know, a top-five pick like we're expected to right now, it really does set us up in a great position. But the confidence in Jim Boylan and, and the faith in the front office to do the right thing with the money we're going to have available in free agency mm-hmm. is terrifying to me. I think both of those things, like, A, if we go in free with Jim Boylan as our head coach and whoever we end up with in the draft, I don't know that we're going to be able to recruit the talent we want to bring mm-hmm. to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get into the what's going to happen because you're, you're bringing up Boylan, you're bringing up the front office. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the ideal direction is to at least try to make, you know, get rid of Boylan, get rid of Garpax. Um, that's, a, that's, a, that's evident. That is clear. Um, and Pat, with this, I mean, what do you think will actually happen? Because obviously Bulls fans are hoping uh, Gar, Gar Foreman gets relieved, John Paxson gets relieved, and Jerry finally makes those decisions. I think Michael's more running the Bulls than, than Jerry is at the point, but Jerry is the uh, majority owner. Um, what do you think is truly going to happen in actuality with the Chicago Bulls? Will they be able to use that cap space uh, to get free agents? What's the, what's the next step for the Chicago Bulls in all likelihood? So this is the part where I struggle with because you know, in theory, Garpax should be gone. Like they should be out of there. But everything you, when you, every time you look in the media, and I think Casey Johnson has said this in, in the media many times. Like the the Ryan, he actually said the Ryan Storbs value management. I know fans get tired of hearing it, but until that changes, that's what the fans will hear. And you're just like, oh, come on, really? But what I think will happen is they. Will, I don't see Boylan staying, seeing as how they've gotten worse in every single category that they've even could possibly get worse in this season. I don't see him there, but the also, so I still see Garpax staying. But the issue is, I don't think that Garpax will have an easy time bringing in free agents because of the way the whole way the Jabari Parker situation has been handled. I think that's going to set a really bad taste in a lot of potential free agents' mouths. And if they don't get rid of Boylan for some strange reason, free agents will just look at Chicago and look at the way they play and just go like, "That's not a modern offense. Like, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't care if they offer me a lot of money. Like, that's." I can't succeed there. And I don't care if it's a big city either. I'm going to go somewhere else where they'll actually learn how to play in a modern offense and they actually have a plan. So it's the lack of direct, the seeming direction and the way that Carpax can turn off free agents. And that just doesn't give me a lot of confidence that they will actually do the right thing. Although if they do get rid of Jim Boyle, then it'll show me, okay, at least they know something about what's going on. But like after they've just backed him, that's even becoming a doubt for me right now. I'll be completely honest. I'm getting this year. I am getting flashbacks to oh, I can't even remember what was the. They all run together at this point, but the, it was the year where Paul Gasol was on his last year with us. It was two years ago, and we were like, we need to trade him at the trade deadline, and nothing happened. Every time I check the like ticker to see if like mm-hmm. Robin Lopez is in talks or Jabari's in talks, like. I'm going through like Vietnam flashbacks because I'm like, w- at this point, I'm sitting there going, we're not going to move these guys. Mm-hmm. 
Like, we're going to say the Warriors apparently wanted Rolo, and we were like, let's just have a big dick contest right now. No, you can't have him. And then, like, they just, hey, we're going to play him big minutes because you want him, but we're just going to throw him in your face. And I feel like with Garpax, one thing I sit there, and this is like a mini thing, if Rolo or Jabari are on this team February 8th, if I'm Reinsdorf, I go, here's your here's your. But your will fight. that actually happen? Because right now you're no, saying it won't. you're saying like, we can talk to we're blue in the face. It ain't gonna happen, and that's what makes me angry. It's sad. So, but well, why, <laughs> let's let's talk about, about why it won't happen. Why because why why will Reinsdorf not finally just wake up either Michael or Jerry? Fault and but, it sucks. But he's not stupid. You can't make this much money. You can't have two teams in the third largest market and, and, and be this or stupid. Or can you? He could be like, hold my beer, Sean. I mean, <laughs> I, look, I, I mean, the money keeps Gar going Foreman, in is the problem. And Gar Foreman's been there since a, he started as a scout in 98. He's been there ever since. And Paxson, you said player, assistant coach, mm-hmm. GM in 2003. We're just too loyal of an organization. And we keep selling out. We yeah. we consistently we love our game. team too much, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's the thing. I is. will think though. I think Michael Reinsdorf does give you a bit of hope that might they might let go of both of them because Michael Reinsdorf is. He, I know he shares the dad, but he's not. I don't think he's his father, and I think he mm-hmm. takes a lot more interest in like the business aspect, and so he'll mean, which means he'll talk more to season ticket holders. And this season, when you see the Bulls get blown up by like 30, 40, 50, and the season ticket was like, what the hell are we doing? We're getting blown out by 30 points. Then he might lean towards that. I don't know how likely that is, but that does give me a little bit more hope to that. And I know that Paxton had said in an interview like last year, I think when he fired Fred Hoiberg, that if the rebuild doesn't go ra- doesn't go well, he might not be around, which gives you some hope, but I don't know how much it actually gives you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. There, there's... There's the you know sprinklings of accountability mm. being thrown around, and I think that the the ultimate goal is that yes, we're going to have to clear out front the front office. I think it's likely it happens in the next three years. I I mean my money would have been every year. You know that's the thing is like my money would have been oh it's going to be happening this year for the last four years, but that's it, wishful thinking. In all mm. reality. This is still a very young roster, and because it's a young roster, they're going to give them the, the benefit of the doubt. And let's see you architect this team up from the ground. And, you know, we watched it happen with, uh, going back, you mentioned, you know, post-Jordan days, we had the Baby Bulls. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had Elton Brand, Curry, uh, Metal World Peace, uh, Jamal Crawford, like, we had great talent, you know, it just didn't peak at the right time. Well, for at that us. time, Dave, he was Ron Artest. He was Ron Artest. <laughs> you know, things just didn't line up for us great. Then we enter the Captain Kirk days, mm-hmm. and, and then obviously the Derrick Rose days. It's just like we've Close done good there. jobs can, like putting together mm-hmm. a team via the draft and, and some moves. So I think that's why they have been around so long. They've been successful, they've hit those. Uh, moderate peaks to be like, oh, oh, the Bulls are putting together something nice right now. You know, we we didn't really top out well because of the injuries, mm-hmm. obviously with Derrick Rose. Um, but I think that there is still, you know, it, as angry as I am at this team and as disappointed as I am at like the current performance, in the back of my head, I'm going, we're going to have a great pick this year. We're potentially going to have another pick in this draft, and let's see what we can do given a new head coach. That's that's the number one thing that needs to change day one. Well, I want to ask you guys, since you you all three are Bulls fans, uh, mm-hmm. I, I thankfully do not have the pleasure uh, of being one. Um, <laughs> but I, I want to ask you, and I'm going to go to Pat first. 
what would turn you off of being a Bulls fan? Is there a, is there a limit? Is there a, a, a kind of a, a, a an edge that you would need to be pushed over to not support the team and and not not to be you know not a fan, but just not to pay attention, just to to turn them off and, and just you know put them off until they actually start doing things for the fan and for the team's uh, safe because health. Because I feel if you go next year with Gar Foreman and Jad Paxson, either either of them in their, their current roles. I think that's a slap in the face to the fans. Would you feel that way, and, and would you be turned off as a Bulls fan uh, enough to at least stop supporting the team? If we go another year with Foreman, Paxton, and Boylan coaching and continue to preach that like, these guys need to be tougher, they need to have more grit, we're not finishing games well, and they continue to like coach like it's 1999 and not adapt to the modern game, I think that's the point where I'm just like, okay, I'm done. Like, there's nothing else I can do. They're delusional. They don't know how to work in these today's NBA. Like, they can suck for a while, but whatever. I, I think that would probably be my limit. Like, if we had to go through another, like, this has only been going on for 24 games, and I hate it. If I had to go through another <laughs> whole season of this, then that would just put, like, you know what? I'm not watching any more NBA. And, I, and it's hard to get into, for me, it's hard to get more into the NBA when I know that my team is just, the bottom of the barrel and the laughing stock. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that would be my limit. Ricky, what's your threshold? Because I know you're, you know, you 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 obviously you bleed red because everyone does. Um, uh-huh. but you you bleed <laughs> bulls red. Uh, you see red. Well, uh, so so what's your like? What's your threshold? Because I know I know you're you shook your head when I asked the question, but I'm I feel never, like they're. I'm never like oh, it kills me because I'm never going to hate. I'm never going to hate this team. I'm never going to not support this team. I'm never going to not watch this team. Like, but that's who I am as like a fan. I'm a Cubs fan. You want to know how many years into like my younger years before like I officially switched over? Mm-hmm. It was like everyone's a Sox fan, so I'm a Sox fan. But ever <laughs> since I switched over and like actually was like I'm a Cubs fan, I went through terrible seasons. Like, I f- feel like that is like predisposed me to just like I can watch a line at basketball and go, and eh, this ain't exciting me, but. I'm a fan, and I'm going to watch because I love this team. And then it kills me inside. I think I'm just a glutton for punishment. Um, I think that's You're what sadist. I am. Yep. Um, but I just, with me, there won't be anything. And, like, that kills me inside a little bit because it's like I'm just – it's basically like going with Space Jam. I'm chained to the couch watching this team on Moron Mountain signing autographs. That's basically what my life has come to. Dave, do you have that same threshold, or are you kind of on Pat's side? No, I'm pretty much screwed. Um, <laughs> you know, it's sad that even, like, you know, we, we just got done talking about how Bill was so angry at the process. And <laughs> another I'm like, Bulls fan. Another Bulls fan. Bulls have a podcast. And I'm like, shit, I would throw a fucking parade if we were just like, yeah, fuck it, we're just doing it, man. Like, we're going all in on the process. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be. Give me two more years, and, you know, this year we're going to get a top three pick, next year top three pick, See, the following year top three pick. But the thing that kind of is the qualifier there is. If we had Fred, I wouldn't be mad. I would <laughs> Like, this team, watching so this much. team lose but, sucks. Well, it's not, okay, it, it, it just saying watching this not, team lose it's sucks. Just, it's just not fun. It's not fun, but it's also not in the best uh, mm-hmm. development for the players. It's not in their benefit. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that hurts me the most is watching Jim Boylan and they can tell cut minutes, uh, absolutely destroy rotations and change players' developmental arcs 
because he feels what he, you know, he knows best. He feels he knows best. He's been around one of the greatest coaches in the NBA. So, of course, his opinion matters more than everybody else's. And I think that that's what hurts me is, you know, we saw high highs out of Zach Levine on Minnesota. We saw him when he came over. There was a spark to his game. He's exciting to start this year. You know, he was putting up all-star worthy numbers in the East to start this year. And we're like, oh, shit, like he's on that Devin Booker level maybe. And then Boylan's like, so have you heard about this 1998 basketball? <laughs> and uh, your minutes? No, we're, we're going to just dice them up mm-hmm. real nice and fine. Uh, and that's it's just painful. And I, I think that that's the biggest thing is not being able to see these guys develop throughout the year the way mm-hmm. that we had hoped them to mm-hmm. is what kills me. A thing with Zach that I, I will say is um, since Boylan's been, you know, added on as the head coach um his numbers have gone down he went from 25 points per game to 20 then he went from uh five rebounds to about two rebounds i mean he went from four assists down to like 3.6 um but he has gotten more efficient he's now at 47 41 but still like you don't see that same impact that it was like when when zach levine was at his best at the start of the year it was fun and exciting and now Mm -hmm. it's just depressing going back to what i when i asked uh pat first was you know, it just feels like every single day it somehow gets worse and worse under Jim Boylan. Um, and, and it's, you know, gotten worse and worse every single year uh, under Gar Pax. And they've gotten so lucky. The fact that they made the playoffs two years ago and almost won in the first round was a shocker. But and they had veteran leadership. We were a Rondo away. But, but yeah, the fact that that's in the because you had the two big veterans in mm-hmm. Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler obviously clearly openly fighting and separating themselves from the, the rest of the locker room. We had our MVP, so, though. Okay, but you you saw again yeah. they were lucky is my point. Like they they, they they fell into the that eighth seed, and the fact that they even gave Boston hell was was shocking. That was just because Boston mm-hmm. couldn't rebound. Yeah. Um, they they fell into the Derrick Rose pick. We talked about it. They, the thirteenth worst odds for that. They fell into that. They've consistently gotten lucky, and it's just I I feel, feel like if I was a Bulls fan, um, I I would just feel that at this point like there's nothing to cheer for, and until they're gone. There's nothing that I, I, I would be able to do because I, I, I'm not a status like Ricky. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I couldn't put myself through this because I, and maybe it's because I was a, I've been lucky to be a, a Tom Brady fan. I was right when I was four years old choosing uh, yeah, hitching my ride to that wagon. Um, but I haven't had that worst of success, you know, mm-hmm. worst of success as a team. I mean, maybe the, the White Sox. But even then, it's like like it's kind of fun now because we're in the talks of Machado and Harper and maybe mm-hmm. that will turn around. I've seen a world championship in my lifetime, so that's been easier. You guys saw the Bulls win championship, mm-hmm. so maybe it like makes it a little bit easier for you guys as well. Makes um, it worse. With the Bears too, we've seen with the Bears too, we've seen like I've been to a Super Bowl before with the Bears. Uh you yeah. know, twenty eleven mm-hmm. we, we were so close. Um and obviously there was the tough times with Trustman, but we always had Lovey and Lovey was consistently putting out a good team or you know every other year he's putting out a good team and then you see now obviously the naggy stuff that brings a bright light. So even I mean, like with I with the Hawks. Yeah, th- yeah, that as well. Um, With the Bulls, though, it's just like you've never felt like, I, I personally, looking at a team, I've never felt like there's been a solid team there. And the closest you got was with Derek. But even mm-hmm. then, like, like those two brief years where it was like, all right, this team's going to be a powerhouse in the East until his injury, then, like, that was when the luck flipped mm-hmm. on and It was them. just like, fuck you, we're, no, the, the, we're the Heat. Those, I mean, there was LeBron James, and we are always the dark horse to take down mm-hmm. LeBron James. There was that one year we met him. This was my. You mean the timeout? Ju- no, not that. Not the Cavaliers. That was David Blatt with okay. the Cavaliers. I'm talking Miami Heat. This yeah. was when I thought we were the one seed because I'm pretty sure we had home court advantage in the um, Eastern Conference Finals. And I remember game one, I think we won. 
And then the heat just spanked us four straight. <laughs> and it was like, it was the most devastating thing. Cause I was like, this was our year. And then the, it'll ever be in like ingrained in the back of my head. The 76er series. Yeah. With Omira oh Sheik God. at the line and can't hit a freaking free throw in that game. And Spencer Hawes Fucking diced Spencer us Hawes. up. Yeah, I hate Spencer Hawes. I don't even know him, but I hate him because of that one series. I want to ask basically Dave and Pat this. Because um, I saw this on Twitter and I don't know how to feel about it. Um, kind of moving, let's say Garpax is still here, into draft. Of course I know that Foreman is going to be at most of the top prospects. Like, yep. the, the Bulls aren't going to go, hey, we don't need this guy. We're not going to be there. But how would you feel if the Bulls had the second or third overall pick and took John Morant over a Cam Reddish or an R.J. Barrett? Either Dave or Pat, whichever wants to take Pat. first. Because, I mean, I would rather just take a forward and fix that three problem than take a John Morant. Pat, what's Honestly, your feelings on this? I gotta be completely honest. I haven't watched a lot of John Morant, John Morant, so I don't really know how he stacks up. But uh, how how I would tell you, um, as someone who hasn't seen him, I mean, it, I, I'm surprised you're not watching a ton of Murray State uh, basketball <laughs> while you're going for your PhD. Um, you're not a degenerate like us with ESPN Plus. Um, but he's he's a guy that. Um, would probably his, his his ceiling would be Russell Westbrook, um, a little bit of, better of a shooter. Um, he's got a better stroke at least. We don't know if that's going to be consistent. Um, he's putting up near a triple double um, at Murray State. He does turn the ball over about like five times a game, uh, but I think his assist to turnover ratio is about two to one. So he has the ability to lead an offense, be explosive, um, be a pretty good defender. It's just really. Can you trust his college numbers, and will he translate to the NBA uh, because of the level of competition he's playing? Hmm. So I, th- I think that's intriguing, but I think we just, at the end of the season, we just have to see how Chris Dunn is doing. And if he's just not improving, then I think you can seriously look at that. And if we don't get the number one pick and we get uh, the second or third, and we have to, we have a choice between him and Cam Reddish or RJ Barrett or whoever you want. Then yeah, I can see, I can see that. I can see that happen, but I think we just really need to fix the wing position first because that's an actual need that the Bulls have and I'm just not sold on Chandler Hutchinson like I don't know why we promised like there's a story that we had promised that mm-hmm. him that we would take him at that pick and I if that's true I don't understand why we did that because I mean are you telling really, me that, that you didn't want a 22 year old four-year college player for this young developing team <laughs> see I don't really want to hear that from you Dave because you were totally sold on Hutchinson so was Ricky they they told me he's going to be Scottie Pippen that's what they told. They told me. Let's be. Honest, I, I, let, I warned you guys. Let's be honest, though. The guy Dave really liked uh, went one pick before Hutch he's, uh, uh, to the Jazz. Yeah, he's Grayson not doing Allen. so hot right now. He can. He just doesn't play defense. They don't play him. Well, Dave, going with you because obviously you're a big John Morant supporter. Yep. Would you be fine with them going with the point guard? I would be. Uh, Chris Dunn does not get it done for me. He is a limited point guard. Yes, he's defensively, you know, fantastic, but. His mid-range game is antiquated, and I think that it's one of those things where I'm going to say that, and then he's going to pull Ricky Rubio, move on, (laughs) and find a three-point shot on his next team Uh and be, like, fantastic. But at the same time, I look at John Moran's talent, and I'm like, I would absolutely love to have someone like that because 
my you know my favorite memories outside of the Jordan days are Derrick Rose and mm-hmm. Derrick Rose was basically Uber you know running that same Russell Westbrook Russell Westbrook train of elite athleticism um, you know Derrick obviously the the slimmer build but all just magic in the air and John Morant kind of gives me that same spark of hope uh, RJ Barrett absolutely would fit this existing team like a glove uh, same with Cam Reddish I think RJ would be a, an excellent shooter. Um, and that way, you know, the ball can kind of be split up. We don't have to depend on Chris Dunn so much mm-hmm. to be that lead point guard because both Zach and RJ can kind of split that load. Yeah, I just i I saw that tweet, and the first thing like it's it wasn't like a no, Chris Dunn's our guy, but it was kind of like a yeah, Chris Dunn's our guy kind of a thing. Yeah, um, where I don't know if we I like John Morant, I like what he does. But I might be furious. It might be a, oh, what pick was that? Um, what pick was I really angry at a couple years ago? There was one. Uh, help um, us out. Where, oh, no, it was the Tony Snell pick. Um, it might be another Tony Snell pick. Um, Tony Snell was not a top pick. 30th. Though. That was towards the end. Like it was, And he's now a quality NBA uh, But it was one of those picks where player. I remember on draft night bashing <laughs> yeah. that pick. I thought there was different players we could have taken there. Of course, I know that was... We were a lot better of a team back then, but I mean, I would ca- kind of I mean, be upset if we took John Morant over like an RJ or a camp. We wasted another pick on Denzel Washington, mm-hmm. uh, Denzel Valentine, Valentine mm-hmm. and see, but I liked Denzel in yeah. college, so I mean, I wasn't mad at that. And then he played in the NBA, and I was Let's like, go get Denzel. A big tweener. I yeah. think Pat also said Marcus Teague. Yeah, yep. Marcus yeah. Teague. Yeah. Yikes. Um, well, we, we had some misses. And then the and Thibodeau wanted to draft Draymond, and we mm-hmm. got Marcus Teague instead. <laughs> yeah. So, and again, that goes back to front office ineptitude, which, which we're dealing with. So let's get into prediction time about what will happen. What will the Bulls look like? Um, you know, let's say come June 23rd um, mm-hmm. in the NBA draft. Um, let's say they have a top five pick. I think it would be unlikely if they didn't. Um, Pat, what are your predictions for the Bulls? Um, on June 23rd, is Garpax uh, still going to be in power? Is Jim Boylan still going to be the head coach? Um, what do you think is going to be the, the look of the Bulls going into the 2019-2020 season? I think at the end of the season, we'll have, uh, we'll have. unfortunately, we'll probably still have Guard and Pax there because every source has said that, like, nope, they're safe. Like, nothing has changed as of yet. But I think they will give them press conference relieving Jim Boylan saying, he didn't give us the grit and toughness we thought. We were out of games, and we should not have been out of games. And I think they would – but what I would hope that they would do, and I really hope this prediction comes true, is that they'll actually interview more head coaching candidates and not be, like, so specifically set on one candidate like they were with Fred Hoiberg. Because they interviewed him and only him last time they interviewed for a job. And my prediction would be that they go and find someone that will – include this modern offense and adjust to the players' strengths and some of the players will actually get along with and understand. And I don't, because I don't think they like Jim Boylan. I wouldn't like Jim Boylan if I had to play for him. So my prediction is that Garpack stays, Boylan's gone. They'll have some top five pick at this point. I don't know which, which pick they'll have, but yeah, that's all I can predict for right now. I hear uh, Luke Walton might be available. Wow. <laughs> How would you guys like that addition if, if Luke Walton was available? I wouldn't hate it. Pat? Wouldn't dislike it, but I don't think he's, he's gotten as much out of the Lakers as he should have. And they have I think they, the Lakers have more talent right now, young talent, than we do. So that doesn't give me a ton of confidence. Yeah. But I wouldn't hate it. 
Dave, what's your prediction for the 2019-2020 season? Oh, we're rolling in the same exact way we rolled out. <laughs> like we're we're keeping everybody safe. Nobody's getting hurt. Uh Boylan, if he gets if he gets the axe, it'll be during next season or at the end of the next season. I, I the the problem with me is we're stuck almost even though we have a high draft pick, mm-hmm. I feel like for some reason there's gonna be an expectation that we're going to land someone in free agency um that is, you know, a star or a superstar quality player. Like who? I mean, who's coming to Chicago? That's that is, my point. There's some, Super. there's some stupid theories. There was a theory, I think, like on like one of Dave Kaplan, Dave Kaplan's shows, where yeah. like, so I think they could trade if they got the number one pick, they could trade him and market in for Anthony Davis, and then they would get Kawhi Leonard to come there. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's your that's your theory. That's your plan. We've been waiting for Anthony Davis for a long time in Chicago, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. but no, I mean that's that's the thing. Is like this year is the mega free agency bowl. You know, it's it's we'll see who's going where, and I think we all sort of have an inkling that no one's coming to Chicago. But for some reason, I think we're going to go ahead and give another bad contract out. Like, why is Felicio making this much money? Mm-hmm. Don't know. Rolling but, with it. But is he a superstar? No. no. But Bobby Portis is he is a superstar? Due for a contract? No. no. But are, do you think we're going to pay Levine him fifteen a million a year? Yes, but here's the thing. Name the last time that they've brought in a superstar through free agency. Carlos Boozer's not a superstar, and he was maybe the closest thing to star level. And that's the thing. Mm, you Paul can't. Gasol. You can't. And you're saying the the but Paul Gasol was old. He was. He needed another. Like people weren't sold that Paul Gasol was a guy anymore. He was 35 years old. Psh, they were the, wrong. The thing with with <laughs> the thing with with you're saying is that Gar Pax is now going to be staying there, and they're going to try to sign right. a star or superstar. They haven't been able to do that in the past I'm 15 years. They're... What's now going to be the the reason why? That's that's what I'm saying. Okay. What were you saying? I was just saying. I, if, I, if, if there's a miscommunication, no, no, I was I'm sorry. just saying. You know, what is the expectation of free agency? Is it that we're going to sign a star, or is it that we're going to waste our money on another Jabari esque? Okay. Let's mm-hmm. go take a risk on a player. And, you know, if it pans out, great for us. But if not, you know, you can't be mad at us. And that's what I'm afraid of. Garpax doesn't get fired, although I think he does. The, I think they should. He should. They should. Um, the it, it. most interesting thing, it, it should. Um, send him to the moon. Um, shoot him. Shoot, shoot him, him to the moon. Shoot him. Same thing. Um, but the most interesting thing I saw on Twitter that I retweeted, and this is about, because Boylan, I expect, I want him gone in the offseason because he's not going to help us. And there's a tweet from Jared Dudley that said, been hearing about how good Rondo has been with young players since he has played uh, for the Bulls and went on about his IQ and stuff. Bulls scripted a tweet that I would be behind 110%. He said if Rondo were to retire um, for some odd reason, he would be the first head coach candidate on my list. Bulls young core all took to Rondo. Coaches don't like him because he challenges their knowledge and authority. Players and teammates respect the hell out of him. And I'm like, you know what? Although he wouldn't have experience, he's a guy that I would be like, you know what? Let him be our coach because he'll develop the young players and then have an assistant that could maybe help him with schemes because I don't know how Rondo is with tactics and schemes. Exactly what Boyland is not doing. Um, Like So... Not to crush your party because I would mm-hmm. love it if yeah. it happened. I'm Rondo's just saying, already come if? out. A Rondo's not retiring mm-hmm. unless he literally gets physically beaten down and broken mm-hmm. to the point yeah. of never returning. Uh, B he's come out and said, "Well, he would be uh, he would like to work in the front office rather mm-hmm. than coaching because he thinks he can make a larger impact on a franchise." You know, I don't think he's ruled out coaching like Kobe mm-hmm. Bryant did. Yeah, uh, but 
it seems like he's more aiming at a front office role in his post basketball mm. time. Unless they came out and like, and the thing I would say is, unless they come out and say no for sure, I'd always leave open the possibility. Here's what I would say: is maybe, maybe I would say fifty percent that Garpax um, gets fired or wow. stays on. That's our best odds here. That's that's. We're throwing I, a, we're throwing I think a it's party today. I think it's fifty-fifty. <laughs> I don't know how they have your comment. <laughs> I don't know how it hasn't happened already. Um, and the fact that you know the writings on the wall that they should be fired means that it's most likely not going to happen. But I'll still put it at fifty-fifty that they will be. If Jim Boylan is the head coach next year. I will be absolutely shocked. I think this is going to be a player's revolt if he is still the head coach at the end of the year heading into next year. Because at some point, these players are going to turn on him if they haven't already. Zach Levine's um, starting. Well, that's, I think I think they are getting, they're walking the line as close as they possibly can mm-hmm. uh, before actually they're revolting. And I think once the offseason hits, if there's not movement and, and rumors of him being fired, there is going to be a revolt. And they're going to go to Jerry or Michael's office and tell them that they need to be, that he needs to be fired. I, I don't see any way that these players will, would want to show up to work and work for Jim Boylan, a player, a person that they clearly have despised. Mm-hmm. And it's only been, I think, a month in about 30-something days. He, he was hired on December 3rd, and somehow in the past month and 25 days, or 25-plus days, he has already turned these players on. Question for you, non-Bulls fan. Yeah. Do you think, like, let's say Zach Levine, let's say they don't move Boylan, do you think it would ever get to a point where he would say, let's say he went to Garpak and said he's got to go, and Garpak said no. Do you think he would go, fine, him or me, get rid of him or trade me? I think that there would be a possibility not only of uh, of Levine, but I think of multiple players mm-hmm. just being like, he's putting me at a risk. Like, mm-hmm. like I like this could be a, a thing that they take up with the NBAP uh, Players mm-hmm. Association. Like, this is something that, you know, they're causing him money. They're causing him development. They're causing he's causing them just the ability to grow and become the best players that they possibly can be. They are limited by Jim Boylan being the head coach. It's been clear. It's mm-hmm. clear by every Bulls fan. It's clear by everybody in Chicago. It's clear by to every media personality in Chicago. It's clear to everybody besides Garpax, Jerry Reinsdorf, Michael Reinsdorf, and Jim Boylan. The players are even clear to it. Mm-hmm. So if they're not revolting by this point and coming out clearly in the media and or even just going to Jerry or Michael's office at, at the point of next season or next office season, I'd be absolutely shocked. There is no way that he is going to be the head coach next year. And if he is, I would be I, I would honestly implore uh, Chicago Bulls fans to at least look for a different team, because if a team's going to spit in your face like this and spit into the player's face like this, mm-hmm. it, it's a disres- It's just, just, it's, it's a less integral move than the actual process. It, it, it's, it's, I think it'd be a horrible, horrible, horrible mistake uh, to, con- to continue with uh, Jim Boylan as your head coach. Um, but let's go. Final thoughts, uh, Pat. Obviously, you 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 want this to be the end uh, for for uh, Garpax. I think everyone in Chicago does. But uh, what what's at least uh, the positive note that you could possibly uh, leave us with uh, for for your Patreon segment? Positive note. All right. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's tough. It's probably the hardest question I've asked you so far. Um, okay. The positive thing I will say that okay, while they've made a lot of stupid decisions, like I I will admit that they a lot of their decisions have not been that bad they did swing off the jimmy butler trade which at the time i thought like okay i actually like that move a lot even though everybody at the time i did i did like that they drafted wendell carter because i do think he is very promising even though he had a bad end to the year but i think i do like that but i think with i think this team just needs to be set in a better direction where they can improve now because obviously their coach is not 
helping them get better. They don't have the depth to like keep them in games and help learn, learn on, lean on them. So if they were able, somehow able to spend their money, not on like another Jabari Parker, but like guys who can back up Levine and Dunn and Hutchinson and Markinen and actually help them learn and help teach them how to be professionals and get a coach who can teach them a modern offense, then I think they might show actual improvement next year. So I don't think it's as, I don't think the direction is so far off that it can't be righted, but it's on the onus of the front office to actually write that. And I don't know if they do, but it, I know that it's not that hard to do so. Dave, final thoughts. Shoot him to the moon. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it. Keep it short and sweet. I, I, I like Pat's great statement, and then yep. uh, you, you just kept it short. Uh, Ricky, final thoughts. I just, I feel like Garpax ain't going anywhere. Hopefully, Boylan gets the boot. That's all we can hope for right now. We will see if they get the uh, the, the the firing that they deserve. I'm uh, telling you, if they do, we're throwing a party. Bill's coming. Pat's coming. We're like we might have to fly Jake out here just for <laughs> Jake, Jake has nothing to do with the Bulls. I know, I know that's it's sympathy. Bill we and need Pat everybody sure. involved. Right. They're coming. If if you want an invite to the cookout, the uh, the we'll Pax firing party, uh, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, we do want to thank Pat for uh, a back back to back great patron mm-hmm. segments. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Pat. Shout out to Bill. Uh, they brought the fire. They brought the intensity. They brought the uh, the, the the great statements. Uh, it was it was a good uh, good patron. And we're gonna blame Ricky. Uh, we had two great segments back to back, and he didn't set these up uh, for the past couple of weeks uh, or months. I'm sorry. Uh, so th- thanks, Ricky. Um, but uh, <laughs> thanks to Pat uh, for for being on. Uh, we, we appreciate your uh, patronage and uh, loyalty. And uh, and go uh, go uh, fight in the line, right? Yeah. Did you almost say Irish? I was gonna say Irish. <laughs> uh, Paxton went to Notre Dame, so I don't think Go Irish is the right way. That's brutal. Uh, Anyways, that's going to do it for the Fast Break Podcast. Again, we want to give a big thanks to uh, Pat and Bill. Obviously, uh, thanks to Ricky Wimmer and Dave Oster for being on the uh, podcast with me, as always. Uh, I'm Sean Anderson. Don't forget to check us out on iTunes. iTunes, uh, search The Fast Break. Check out us out on patreon.com slash Podcast. If you want to be like the great Pat and Bill, you can be on a segment talk about the, your topic of choice and then also check us out on Twitter twitter.com slash pod. you can talk to us over there give us your thoughts and opinions that's going to do it for the Fast Break Podcast again thanks to Pat Bill uh, for Dave Oster for Ricky Wimmer I'm Sean Anderson we'll see you next time thank you for listening to this MVP podcast follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts